Today's episode of A Waste of Time with It's The Real is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you choose from over 1,500 licensed therapists. Get matched with your perfect therapist who can put you on the path to a happier life. For a special offer for all of our listeners, visit Talkspace.com slash W-O-T. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Do you remember last week, during the intro, we talked about our long-lost Uber driver... King Larry. Larry. We had said that King Larry had come back into our lives via an awesome listener, Fantastic Cole, mm-hmm. who had a ride with King Larry recently. Yeah. And, and she she took a picture of his his driver's license and sent it to us. King Larry's his first name, and we said that we want King Larry to be our regular driver. Well, King Larry, you still haven't reached out yet, but here's the opportunity. We're going to London. So take us to the airport. So please, King Larry, reach out to us because we need a ride. We're heading overseas for a live podcast on September 6th in London. Yes, we are going to be at the Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen with DJ Semtex talking to him about everything from growing up in London to you know interviewing Jay-Z, Kanye West, Drake, DJ Khaled. He's got an unbelievable story. It's going to be a raucous evening. We're looking forward to seeing all you guys overseas. If you want to see these two brothers in England, grab a bruv, grab a beer, jump on the tube. Come say hello to us. We're going to be in town for uh, three days, I think. Yeah, we're going to take the lift. We're going to take the lorry. <laughs> we're going to... Maybe King Larry's going to come with us. Who knows? September 6th, though, it's going down in East London. We're interviewing DJ Semtex. It's going to be awesome. And you can get your tickets right now. Where? At itstherealcom slash London. itstherealcom slash London. This event is being brought to you guys by our good friends over at the Creative Content Agency and Project Gersh. Jeff, today on the podcast, man, this is an epic, epic, epic episode. Yes, we finally got DJ Green Lantern, who, you know, we we have an idea of like the, the top three people we want on our podcast. He has, for the longest time, been in that top three. We're not going to say the other ones because we don't want any of the other podcasts to, you know, steal our guests. Well... One of them is Dan Rosenthal, our brother. We don't want Dan to do another podcast. Dan... If, if Dan does Rap Radar before this podcast... <laughs> Dan, hold off. If Dan does Combat Jack before this podcast... Dan, don't do it. Don't if, do it. Stay true. Honestly, I wouldn't be mad if Dan did Everyday Struggle, though. <laughs> but today we have Green Lantern. If you don't know who Green Lantern is, then where the hell have you been for the last uh, 20 years? Supremely talented mixtape DJ. Obviously, he was the touring DJ for Eminem and Jay-Z and currently with Nas, Hot 97 personality, Shade 45 personality. It's an incredible story for a guy from Rochester, New York to, to make it to the very top of the game. He was commuting from Rochester down to New York City every week for six hours each way, it's, and he it's, finally made it to our podcast. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been a very long drive. Shout out to Green Lantern. Shout out to his son, Tango12, who's also a DJ who uh, shows up at the end of the interview. Jeff, when do you want to get into it? Right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Brendan Byrne Arena, a.k.a. Throwback Jersey. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Happy and I Know It, a.k.a. Clap Back. Yo, what up? It's the evil genius, a.k.a. DJ Green Lantern. You're now rocking with It's The Real. (laughs) 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 Green, welcome to the Upper West Side. 
Nice to see you. Thanks for being here. I'm honored to be here. This has been something, and Jeff can attest. We've been <laughs> we've been we, trying to make this happen for every single time you come into town. <laughs> we reach out, and, and you're like, "Oh, I'm leaving in two hours." <laughs> I could show you guys the DMs. <laughs> All right, we're we're gonna start off with a very sincere thing, um, and you know this because we've we've spoken about this on Instagram. We knew we made it when we first went to SOBs in 2007 when we moved to New York City and you walked up to us unprovoked and were like, what you guys are doing is great for the culture. You're doing really like forward-thinking stuff and I appreciate it. Don't let up and keep going. So thank you for that. And then I you dipped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my style. Yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing I want to say is that in preparing for the interview, we're listening to like all the the rips we have from your Hot 97 stuff. We're listening to all the actual mixtape tracks that we have on our computers. And in thinking about it now, 10 years into our career, you for sure were a huge part of the way that we think, the way that you mixed your songs, the brilliance in the samples you use, in the instrumentals you pick, the humor, the, the vocal tracks, everything, the way you did it has a clear lineage to what we have done throughout our whole career. So thank wow. you for that. I appreciate that one. I appreciate um, that. Let's get into it. Where are you originally from? I hail from uh, upstate New York, Rochester, New York, to be specific. Born, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> yes, sir. Born and raised. Born and raised. In between Buffalo and Syracuse. That's right. What was it like growing up in Rochester? Rochester is, is, is dope because it's like a, not a small town, but a small city. Mm -hmm. So you get the, the best of everything. You, you get, you know, your real high-end areas and you get the hood, you know. So you get, if you want to, you know, taste for some real... Caribbean jerk chicken, you know where to go. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to go get some Louis and Gucci, you know where to go. <laughs> the real shit too. Yeah. You know. But um, you know, we uh my my friends and I used to joke that there's a black cloud hanging over the city because literally it was always gloomy and cloudy and it was winter like five months out of the year. Yeah, yeah. So it's not and, a joke uh, at all. <laughs> it's not a joke. It's not a joke at all. It really is. But um I mean obviously, you know, I got su supreme love for the hometown and uh but really like towards the I think I moved like 2002 because mm -hmm. I was I had been commuting for the last five years previous to that back and forth to New York City as a six-hour drive, which is insane. By which the is way. insane, and I put eighty thousand miles on a new <laughs> truck and I destroyed it within like two years. Oh my god! And um, by the end of like when I was there, you know, just like just having been moving around and seeing other places, and 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 I was like, yo. I, I can't take this this, this this winter all year round. This is crazy. I can't do this. And um, you went the way of Eastman Kodak. <laughs> yo, my pops worked at Kodak. Did he really? Yeah, you know, he he, he was a crane operator. Uh, you know, a lot a lot of the city um, is built around Kodak mm -hmm. and IBM and Xerox. Yeah, and, yeah. You know those those places. And uh, man, there's and there's an extreme amount of talent that's that's there. Just like there is everywhere else, it's just like a matter of shining a flashlight on it or being somebody being blessed to, to make it out. At 14, I mean, was there a chance that your first job would have been at Kodak? I wasn't thinking about that. I was running around hollering at girls at 14 years old, <laughs> <laughs> trying to not scrape the girls up some money. At, the, at the Kodak factory. <laughs> not them. No. I think that was one of the more popular Playboy issues. Women of Kodak. Right. Yes, it was. So, what was your first job? My first job was a paper route. I had a, had a little paper route. Mm -hmm. and, you know, me and my bike, and I would go around and um, 
I would, you know, get the little money. You know, you you would be. Uh, it would be the times where you would collect. So they had these little stamps. Yep. You know, and you would go around to people that owed mad money, and you would just like break their know, legs. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so um, it, I was persuasive. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was getting that money. What did that money go towards? Oh man, I really was into. Um, this was early. I was probably thirteen, fourteen, but I, I was into like BMX bikes. Mm-hmm. So I would like, you know, go and. We would get the bike however we could, mm-hmm. and then you know we would go and you know um, buy the pegs, buy the mags, buy you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, Does that mean you were doing tricks on the bikes? I was trying. I, I, you know, <laughs> I, I know my my ride was sweet, <laughs> but it all went back into your business because then you were a paperboy, and so I mean that's my that was my vehicle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. So you know, I could have effectively written it off. Sure. You know? Yeah. <laughs> What was your first car? My first car was a beater. It was a uh, probably like a 1979 um, Monte Carlo that I got for like $200. I was 17. And, <laughs> yo, that was just a different time, bro. Did you have a, did you, <laughs> it was a different time. Did you have any type of stereo in there? Yes, that was those were the days when you could you could have a it was right in the beginning of the pull out stereo where mm-hmm. you could pull a joint out. So someone else wouldn't pull it out. Like, right, yeah. right, yeah. right. So you could pull it out and, and you know so you didn't we wouldn't get robbed, we yeah. wouldn't get stolen. So um so yeah, I had one of those and uh I, I didn't have like the banging speakers or, you know, Benzy box or anything like that. But um I was alright. I mean I knew it was the beginning. What were you listening to in that car? Um. Then was it was Big Daddy Kane heavy. You know, you're talking like eighty seven, eighty eight, eighty nine. Mm-hmm. So I was super heavy. Marley Marl Bomb Squad. Yeah, I wanted to make those beats. Oh right? my god! So I, I so I super loved everything. Juice Crew, Kane, Biz, obviously G Rap, all of that Marley era, and I went crazy for. PE when it came out and 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 sonically I was like I want to do this. What do you think when Ice Cube worked with them? It was just it was like wow they could do that. You know what I mean? Like you could do that with him. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like they're allowed to do that. <laughs> you know, he's from over there. You know, but um, no, nah, that was just another layer because it was like a graduation for them because they had came from making Nation of Millions and making Terror Dome and then they went you know and and got it in with him and. You know, then Sir Jinx got involved and he added his layer to it, you know, with a little bit of West Coast in it. And um, now I was sonically, that was a different era. That was like the era of pioneering. Yeah. As opposed to not to sound like the old guy, as opposed to an era like, say, now Mm -hmm. where people are. You know, just comfortable with, okay, this is the kicks. These are the snares. These are, no one's like, those guys were like, how do you do this? Let's try this. Let's try that. Okay, you're listening to those guys. What is the impetus behind getting those I'm records? I'm impotent. <laughs> what was so the, you know. What well, was we the, are sponsored by <laughs> Cialis. What was the genesis of your putting two of the same record next to each other and and starting to play out live? Man, um... I tell this story all the time. Like, I fell into DJing. I was not... Normally, you'll see a DJ that becomes a producer afterwards and Mm -hmm. starts as a DJ. I started as a beat maker. Well, you started as a paper boy. I started as a paper boy. (laughs) Yeah, it feels like you're rewriting history. (laughs) Right, and then I morphed into uh, a beat maker. Mm -hmm. So I was was just amazed at all these 
these sounds. So I had a bunch of uh, friends of mine that were DJs, but I was the kid that made beats. It was like me and two other guys in the whole city of Rochester that had some sort of beat machine that could make beats for people. And yours what was? You, yeah, what'd you have? And I, here's another story. I went to, uh, which was called House of Guitars, which was a big music store in, in uh, Rochester. And I wanted to buy, I went there with the intention of buying an SP1200 because mm-hmm. I did my little research. Okay, that's what they're using. Okay, cool. Went there and the guy was like, Cool, yeah, we got it. You could buy it, but this just came in. <laughs> and it was it was um Casio's only pro level sampler that they ever made. They made a a, a, a line of it and it was called the F Z one, which was like an ASR ten, mm-hmm. which was a sampling keyboard, right? But ASR ten you could sequence on it but this you couldn't right but he's telling me all the specs that went went you know that were different from the sp1200 to this and it was like more sample time clearer sound you could edit the wave all these things you couldn't do on this machine over here was the salesman just blaze (laughs) (laughs) yes he was come to think of it damn justin um so anyway, I ended up being the only person on earth that ever got this <laughs> this this uh this damn keyboard, sampling keyboard, and I had to go buy a, a a a little piece of junk Apple computer with performers before digital performers, nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. Um to sequence it, which means, you know, to line up your kicks and snares and samples and all that jazz. So anyway, I'm making my beats and then I was taking classes at Brockport state suny brockport which is in between rochester and buffalo and i was in the um radio station there just hanging out whatever shooting the breeze and uh talking to a friend of mine and i'm you know back in the day in the cassette tape era if you was a beat maker you walked around with your beat tape right and you would play your beat tape for people and so i'm playing my beat tape for one of the homies you know in the right in the you know little college radio station they got the little system all right yo, listen to my beats and he was like you know, you could do parties with the, you know, with the equipment that you use to make this. And I was like, nah, you can't, man. It's a sampler. I only got one turntable to sample from and a mixer. I don't got no sample records. I got old jazz. I mean, I got no party records. I got old jazz records to sample from. Yep. Like, I wasn't a DJ, you know. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be one. But I hung out with three or four of my best friends were DJs. So I used to go to the parties which were like on college campuses with them every Friday and Saturday <laughs> every Friday just like literally helping them carry crates and you know hang out and so I didn't realize that I knew how to select right so anyway back to the story about him he goes so I'm telling him nah we can't do this I I, I can't do that yeah. he goes the Q's which is the, the Q dog the fraternity the Q's have a party on Friday, but this my first of all shout out Steve Roberts. This is my my guy who, who told me this, and I've told him this story. The Q's got a party on Friday. They got five hundred dollars. The DJ backed out, and now thinking back to this, this is like a movie because who are they? To, <laughs> who am I? I'm yeah. not a DJ. How did I get this gig? Right? Like, why did they agree to me? Right? Right? So he's like, yo. I can get you this gig. He said, bring your jazz records. Let's set this <laughs> party so off I, right. I literally sat down. I thought, like, you know what? I could borrow a 
crate from him, a crate from him, a crate from him. I could get the other turntable. I already had a 1200 to sample from. I had the mixer because you had to run the, run us through that. And I'm like, yo, I'll do it. And I literally <laughs> was like, and I got the gig and I went there and I rented some little, little speakers and I got the crate from a hip hop crate from him, a reggae crate from him, an old school crate from him, and an R&B crate from him. You know, these are the homies. Yeah. And turntable from one of the one of the guys. So I didn't talk on the mic the whole night. <laughs> they wanted to talk, and they had to use my headphones to yep. to, to talk. Yep. Right. But I didn't realize I knew how to at least select. I wasn't nice, you know, with the handwork because you have to you develop that. Yeah. Right. But I was in the crib, like, kind of messing around, not thinking, just messing around. So I knew how to technically bring a record in. And, and more, more than all that, not to sound long-winded with this story, but this is my life happened after this. Um, I knew how to select. I knew what song came after the, should come after this song and when to drop the, the music out in the crowd to say that. And then, bam, put the next song in and get the screams. Oh, my God. That became, I did that that first night. And I straight up and now I say this with the hum, most humblest, I became the man on that campus. Yo, you were Lou Gehrig. And like, <laughs> <laughs> well, Lou Gehrig met like a terrible end. I hope not. No, no, I, 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 hopefully I don't have the disease. I'm, <laughs> saying, I'm, saying, I'm saying you had a hell of a streak after the other guy got injured. And, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, and, that, and, that seems strange. And part of that, though, was because I caught a window. Right, because this was a college town, so you had to for the for a DJ to service them, they had to kind of like be on campus or whatever. And I caught a window when there was really nobody there, Man. so I got all of the business from all of the frats and the sororities, all of the, the alphas, kappas, zetas, AKAs, all, everybody. You're the right? man in Brockport instantly. Are you Fridays? Are, by and, the way, so could you imagine 2017 when literally? There are, everybody is a DJ. <laughs> Yo, it was so crazy because there was more DJs than producers, but they were still only like five or six. They were like working and had records and had turntables and could get the sound for that. Was a big ass room we used to play in. Did you did you move up and you know east and west on on ninety? Eventually, yeah. I did. Yeah. So I started in Brockport, and what would happen is you got these frats and sororities that have chapters in Buffalo and Rochester and Syracuse and they're all coming to Brockport chapter parties so they're like yo who is he yeah can you come to Buffalo wait what was your name DJ Green Lantern but already no but hold on, hold on. <laughs> let me rewind that yeah I started out my name is James I started out as James one I didn't have a name I was like okay James one that's what I was making beats and so Right before I was DJing, I was like um, looking at a 12-inch record, and I was like, you know what? I want a real flavorful name, something that when you when if someone didn't know what the song was, they picked up the 12-inch, and they looked at who produced it, they would go, damn, this beat's got to be crazy. So I just started thinking back to my childhood and what what I really loved, and the Green Lantern just came in, like not even so much from the comic books, but more so the, the cartoon. And I was like, Holy shit, that's that's a crazy ass name, yeah. right? So we're in the we're in the era. This is 1992 now. We're in the era of the Mad Hatters and the this and the that and you know what I'm saying, right? The Bush Babies, yeah, right? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. This era, right? So I'm like, okay, bet. It don't really translate well to DJ Green Lantern, right? <laughs> so when they put the flyer together, it would be like sounds by. Okay, what's your name? Green Lantern. They're like, <laughs> huh? 
So they're used to DJ Big Mike, right, DJ yeah. whatever, right? Yeah. So it just became like this weird thing, and then I was like, okay, well, I guess it's a conversation piece, right? But it was just a blessing to be able to just come in, go full steam at that. And But what it did was I was so full steam, it kind of put my beat making kind of on the back burner mm-hmm. but i had had a solid three four years of digging and 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 getting my technique down and and uh, i was making real ass beats yeah um what were your parents listening to like when you were growing up like everything my, my brother um four years older than me controlled the radio pretty much so oh, was I, he jewish <laughs> <laughs> he might be um poor little hat i don't yeah. know if that was so so now I ha- I realize that I have this um this wealth of that's what I call it sublim- subconscious knowledge of classic rock that he used to listen to Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin and all of these things and I would listen to, I would listen for the breakdowns in it like the, like the little funky part of whole lot of love and, yeah. and you know what I mean like yeah. just like ooh what's this yeah. right I was thinking about this the other day. The first ever cassette, the first ever thing that I got um, that was a piece of music was my older cousin, uh, Tammy, for one some Christmas, I might have been eight years old or whatever, she got me the cassette of Another One Bites the Dust. Oh, my God. Because it was funky to yeah. me. It was like, boom, boom, boom. It was like, oh, what's this? <laughs> right? It was like when you when you first heard the message when i first heard broken glass everywhere people pissing on stuff you know that just i was like oh my god what is this mm. so you had this musical basis though. I, have, I have this i have this like wide variety right i'm a run dmc kid i'm i'm loving this you know i'm bra- I'm a, i was a break dancer i used to walk around my neighborhood with the cardboard that we used to carry and a, and a vest so you can when you did your backspin as as a break dancer, it was you slide. There was less friction with a, a vest on, like a, a shiny vest. You know yeah, what I mean, yeah. like polyester, or whatever. And Wait, we were, used you, to, were you doing this? Is nineteen eighty three battling? No, I was okay. not battling. Okay, okay. I was not battling. But we are in um, the era of you know fat laces and Pumas and Adidas, and we used to have taps. That I'm, you know, this is, I'm an old guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> but we used to we used I've to have spikes in the spikes in the Pumas on the side and taps on the bottom yeah. of them. And so anyway, so I have this 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 crazy mix of a musical knowledge. Yeah. Right? So fast forward, I'm DJing with this this base of being a wannabe producer who was making beats. I called myself a producer, but I I, I know the difference now, right? And then. The mixtape came. The bug to make the mixtapes came about five years after I started DJing live. So I was like, wait a minute. I can do this and I can do that. So I started looking at it like I was producing a whole tape. So that's where you get the... um, This journalist told me one time, she was like, you have a lot of continuity in your mixes. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) Like, what is continuity? She's like, you take one thing that says something and another thing that says the same thing and you put them together. I was like, oh yeah, I do that. Yeah. (laughs) That's about it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right. But um, I got to shout out my boy Big Reg, who's a DJ I came up with in Rochester. He was, me and him used to talk about all the time, like, yo, what if you took this, they said this and then you put it with that and you say that, you know, this says that. Yeah. That was just, 
hip hop though. That wasn't like people, you know, are amazed by it. Like we weren't amazed by it. That was like what you're supposed. That was like the base. Right, right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you invented genius.com. <laughs> I need a check. He is the evil genius. So yeah. Oh, so you know Rochester, and you know Syracuse, and you know Buffalo, and you know, you know, Central and Western New York. Lackawanna. Do you know? Do you? <laughs> do you know? What's outside of of I know that what, area? I know what I see on TV. Right. Mm-hmm. I know what I hear on tapes that are being brought back from people that lived in New York City and would tape Flex on the radio. And they would tape Stretch and Bob on the radio. And I would listen to it. Like everybody else, like awe-inspired. Like, oh my God, what yeah. is this? Right. And I'm hearing Pete Rock and Marley mix. I'm hearing Clark Kent mix. I'm hearing Flex mix. Now this is 95. By the way, this is our brother Dan. What's up, Dan? <laughs> Dan, do they keep you in a closet or something? Because we never see you, Dan. Dan's got a real job. Dan's got a real job. That's why. Dan wears, like, Dan's you know, the one who's paying for this place. Dan's the one whose name is on this lease. He's the one they ran the credit check on. Dan has not denied any of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. For the record, I'm right. Okay, you're not on the lease. Yeah, no, Dan is not. Dan's the only one that's not on the lease. Dan's always like, I'm gonna get out of here. Like, yeah, yeah. you're you're getting all this stuff from New York. Also, uh, you're not far from Canada. Exactly, and I'm I'm going to Toronto at at a certain point. I started going. One of my secret weapons when I when I when I became a mixtape DJ, I started making tapes. Was I will go to these two record store tracks and play the record that are big record stores in uh, Toronto on Young Street. Every Thursday, they would have a shipment that came in and they would get white labels. This is now 1997, 1998, 99. So they would get uh, these bootleg white labels that I feel like never went anywhere else because I'm going to the mixtape store and I'm looking to see... Like after I bought this white this white label, this song, this new Mace song that I've never heard before, and the new Clue tape come out next week, and they don't have it on it. Something's and th- up. Yeah. Something's, what's going on here, right? So we start figuring out maybe the A&Rs are, are selling it to the bootleggers in Toronto to make a little quick cash or won't go, come back to them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so like, I found, maybe I should stop asking questions. <laughs> right, no. So so I went full speed ahead like, oh, I, I found a gold mine, yeah. right? So I would literally get exclusives and didn't have to be, you know, stealing dats from A&Rs and, <laughs> and you, know, you know, the mixtape DJ story, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, because I'm coming up in the era of, I love the creative mixtape DJs, right? Ron G, Chill Will, right. those guys. Blend guys. The blend guys, but it was the Clue era. Mm-hmm. So all the eyeballs were on the guys that had the new shit that you never heard before. So I'm like, I'm going to do, I'm going to blend these two together whenever I can. Yeah. Right? I'm going to do some creative stuff with the exclusives, you know, and a lot of times I would do things like, um, cause at this point I leveled up sampler wise, I, I Casio's still there, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but I got an ASR X, which is in Sonic's version of the, uh, MPC at that point. It was mm-hmm. like a little sampling drum machine. If you put in mono, it had a hella sample time. Yeah. So I would get like, say an exclusive on cassette or a dat from somebody. And then I would sample it the whole song and then keep you know how like as a DJ you'll bring back the snare right before the verse that that type of thing so right before like say Shine would start his rap 
I would cut it and it would sound like I'm DJing it, but I'm just, I'm bringing it back with the sampler. And then on another track, because now I'm on four track, I'm finding a sound that sounds exactly like, say, the snare or word. And then I would get calls from people like Clark Kent and, <laughs> and like Jacob York would call my phone like, yo, how did you get the vinyl for this song? And I'm like, don't worry about it. <laughs> Meanwhile, you rebuilt it yourself. Exactly. You know, but that was just me doing what I thought you did as somebody who was in hip hop and was innovating and, and manipulating things. Like, that's what you were supposed to do. I just Yo. feel like you just sunned a bunch of people. Well, yeah. That's uh, what you're yeah. supposed to do. You're right. No, yeah. Shout out to all the kids who go on SoundCloud and, like, loop up something extremely easily, you know, in 2017. Meanwhile, Yo. you were like... There was nothing easy about it. Right. At all. Nothing easy about it. And that's not to, like, pat myself on the back or whatever. But that's but real. That was your tool. And, but it was also like what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I love the new Biggie song just like everybody else. But I wanted to put, first of all, I wanted people to say, oh, shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, damn, did you hear what he did? Yeah, you listen to that new James One tape? Like, <laughs> <sighs> um, You know, so now we're in the mixtape age. We're now like... 97, 98. Still cassettes at this point? Of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. We didn't yeah. go to CDs yet. Right. No, no, no. We're not we're not there yet. So where do you get where do you get the actual tapes from that you then dub? You you start out buying some bulk regular cassettes, you know, ten at a time, maybe, whatever, whatever. So and as you start selling more, you find out, okay, where do they sell this wholesale at? Right. So there was a there was a guy who um duplicated cassettes. It was Frank something, I forget the name, but it was like right around the corner from the studio that I used to go to. And he had a duplication service where he would sell you the blank cassettes. He would put a sticker on, put, type your name on it, make <laughs> it look real official and duplicate it for you on his big rack of, you know, like a hundred cassettes and do it in one day and, you know, charge you X amount of dollars for it. So as I leveled up, I started going to him. Then I bought a Telex, which was the, the three to one. You would have to have the master in one, mm -hmm. and then it would do three at a time. My son, who's here with me now, can yep. attest to putting those cassettes in the in the you know putting the the uh, the covers together, the, the tapes, all of that. That yeah. was that was literally that's what you had to do, you know. And how'd you sell them? How'd you distribute them? So. You would just go first of all, you know. Obviously, Get on I start your bike and <laughs> right? throwing them in houses. <laughs> so um, you first, you know, you start where you live. Yeah. You know, so there was a, there was a couple mixtape spots. There was a lot of them actually, but there was a couple that messed with me because they knew me from being a DJ. Mm -hmm. So I was years in as being a DJ, and I, I knew these, I, you know, knew these guys. So they, I, I came in one day like, "Yo, here's my here's my tape." You know, so it's consignment, right? So. I don't know what it was, but because they knew me, they were playing it in the store. And people were like, yo, what's that? And so they're looking at the track list and like, yo, what's this? I never heard this May song. What's this Cam song? What? <laughs> so they're buying it for the new stuff. But then they're like, damn, did you hear what he did in the middle of that? And put that old thing in it and that interview and that movie piece. And then, then it became, yo, the tape sold out. So we need more. So... Boom. So then it goes from there to, okay, now I'm going to reach out to Buffalo. I'm going to go to Syracuse. I'm going to search this thing out. And you kept Frank busy. <laughs> I did. I did. And, you know, um, then I started, Frank got pissed at me because <laughs> I didn't want to, I didn't want him to dupe the tapes anymore. I just wanted to buy the, the bulk, 
you know, uh, blank cassettes and get him to do the stickers for me. He's like, nah, I don't work like that. <laughs> We're a service. Can't just come in here and buy the cassettes. We're going to dupe them for you. And that's how we make our money. So Frank had to go. Okay? Frank... Frank sleeps with the fishes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> but but you know what? I want to pause there real quick, and I want to rewind when you said earlier. You said I started out in Rochester and did you know that I knew about Buffalo? I knew about surrounding areas, Syracuse, and all that. And what did I know about elsewhere? Mm-hmm. And I did know about New York City via obviously videos and these these uh, cassettes. And one time, because I, I was working at, um, I had a radio show at Rochester Institute of Technology, RIT. The radio station was uh, 89.7 WITR, and you were they would allow you to be a community member, which is you didn't have to go to school there to be have a radio show. That's awesome. They were right. Good for like, you because you didn't go to school. Exactly there. <laughs> right. So. My boy went to school there, and he literally gave me his radio show. He was going out. He was he was from Long Island, and he was like a super senior, and, <laughs> and he was like, "Yo, I gotta go." So I want to give this to somebody here. Take yeah. it. And I was just a fledgling DJ at that point. I did a few parties, and I was like, "Bet this is all me." A couple years into doing that, they I convinced them. Oh, actually, it was the second year because it was 1993. They were sending people to New York City. They were going to send two people to go to the New Music Seminar with a cassette recorder to get interviews and drops for the radio station. So I said, yo, I need I need to go. I need to go. This is the seminar, right? Yeah. This New Music Seminar, which is what we always heard about. This is where all the rappers got together. This is where hip-hop, you know, commences where it lived. That's where, you know, the... The, the DJ battle was, was where the MC battle was. And um, so this happened to be the year. So they sent me, me and this other guy, and they had a little portable, um, like it was it was a portable DAP, or, that or cassette, I forget. But anyway, highlight of the trip. One of my, and I put this on Twitter last week because Crooked Eye said, yo, name your hip-hop highlight of your life. And this to me, like, I've been on stage with 100,000 people in front of me. I've been, I did a bunch of shit, right? But this little thing right here was like amazing. I keep this story with me forever. So at the end of the MC battle, which was at that point, they suspended because there was a fight. The whole um, lynch mob got got jumped by, you know, if you watch the NWA movie Mm -hmm. the year before. So it was a big brawl. And so the, the, um, the new music seminar stopped the MC battle. So Clark Kent picked it up and called it the Superman MC battle. So he organized it, and by that next year, he was doing it. So it was his function. So I went there, and I literally taped, recorded the whole thing, and I would play it on, on the radio when I came back. So as I'm there, this is the year that I don't know if you guys remember this, but it came down to Supernatural and Mad Skills. Oh, my God. And it was a tie. And Clark, you know this. You know what you did. After after just like a couple of minutes of deliberation, he was like, I'm giving it to Supernat. He won. And it was like, okay. <laughs> it was no tiebreak or nothing. Right, right, it was like, right, right. whatever, right? I mean, he's Superman, so he gets to decide. It's his exactly. Thing. Right. Yeah. So we're all outside. You know, it's, it's, a Sher- it's at the Sheridan on 7th Ave. I remember this like it was 
yesterday. We were outside after the event, and I'm just this little, you know, I'm a DJ from up. No one knows me. I'm standing outside. Wow, that's Clark Kent right there. That's Stretch Armstrong right there. And I look, and I'm like, that's Jay-Z next to next to Clark because mind you, this is 1993. We're past Hawaiian Sophie jazz yeah. era. Now we're in the can I get open, you know, fast rapping Jay. Yeah. You know, as the guest MC from you know what I mean with, yeah. with them, which was Clark's crew anyway, right? So anyway, but he's still not like a he's not like a he's big not deal no, yet. no 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 no. Yeah. He didn't even put out the solo stuff. He yeah, didn't no, even know in my lifetime yet. Yeah. None of that, right? This is ninety three. Yeah, standing on the sidewalk is about probably 50 people outside just off having their own conversations i see mad skills over there like you know talking to somebody whatever and he when i said this story i added him and he was like facts that was really happening so watch this clark kent in 1993 was the man i mean it was his function at that point he was on the radio all the time he was the man he was anr atlantic records mm -hmm. super producer clark kent some kid random off the street walked up to him and wanted to rap for him and you know Clark Kent um he goes because <laughs> I, I was about to describe but I want to be respectful yeah, yeah, without yeah, yeah. Be, I, I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on him at all um He's, he has a unique personality. He does. I will say that. Yeah. Right? He's very confident of himself. Yeah. I'll say that. True. I'll yeah. say that. that. Is a good and way Clark, to you know that's true. Shouts yeah. to Clark Kent. Shout to Clark Kent. So right? confident. So he's standing there with, with you know, Jay Z's next to him, as, as are a bunch of other people, right? So he goes to the kid. He was like, <laughs> Listen to you rap. You. You got to battle my man right here before I'll listen to you. We call him Jesus Christ. These are his words. I'll never forget this. Yeah. They used to call DJ Scratch Jesus Christ of the turntables. <laughs> yeah. And, and Clark called Jay-Z Jesus Christ. Right. He was like, yo, we call him Jesus Christ. You got to battle him before you can rap for me. So then we kind of gets everybody's attention. So we just stop our little convos and we're watching now. And this, the kid goes first. He says some regular degular rhymes. <laughs> and then Jay is still fast rapping Jay. Yep. And he said some, 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 like, something real fast and then stopped. And he was like, uh, I thought so. And everybody was like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it, was the, it was the beginning of the super hot fire moment. Oh everybody God. was like, oh! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they cooked him in that oh moment. And the kid just got mad. And he walked away. And he be, he went on to obviously become Hove. When I look back on it, that moment is so much more important now. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Be, did, did you tell Jay later? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And I've told Clark 17 yeah, yeah, times yeah, 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 already, yeah. and and they both were like, "Wow, you was there." <laughs> <laughs> you should tell him that you were the guy who battled Jay. No. <laughs> But no, that that's like something I keep near and dear to me, like because yeah. that was just impromptu. It was on the sidewalk. It's very hip hop. It's so hip hop. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's incredible. Then you go back up to Rochester, though. I go back up to Rochester. Well, first of all, did you have any drops? I had a gang of drops from. I had a, I had a flex drop. Oh, that's cool. I had um, damn, who had I had a? Uh, I think I got Apache. Rest in peace. Wow. Um, man. 
I had a bunch of drops, a bunch of drops. And you went back up to Rochester and, and you got on the reamed box out there. because I forgot they said to bring the receipts for, <laughs> for the money I spent because they gave me like a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. And I didn't get any receipts <laughs> and I got reamed out. And uh, I, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> We just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about our friends over at Talkspace.com. We all need to take a little bit better care of ourselves, and our mental health is no exception, especially at a time when every week seems like a month and every month feels like a year. But there are options out there to get your days going the way they should be. Go to Talkspace.com, the online therapy company, where it's easy to connect with an experienced licensed therapist that you pick based on your preferences for as little as $32 a week. Listen, if you're waking up every morning just terrified of what's going to happen in the news, what has happened overnight while you were, you know, catching a few hours of sleep, I was listening to the, the Brocky Marciano podcast from last week, and I couldn't believe that that was one week ago. I couldn't believe what has happened in the news in the last seven days. We're remarking on it with Brocky, and we're like, this is so crazy. It gets so much crazier. It makes you want to talk to someone. And look, guys, you can't just talk to anybody. Talk to a professional. And don't just go to any professional. These guys at Talkspace.com have made it so affordable for you guys. As little as $32 a week, you can send your therapist texts audio and video messages you can even do a live video chat and by the way it doesn't only have to be about the world at large and doesn't have to be only about the white house you can talk about you know your relationships maybe your relationship is not going the way you think it should or maybe it is i don't know if whatever you want to talk about to a yeah. professional these are them go to talkspace.com slash w-o-t with this special offer code coupon C-O-U-P-O-N and you get $30 off your first month. Show your support for this podcast a waste of time with It's The Real by typing in coupon C-O-U-P-O-N at Talkspace.com slash W-O-T. And if you're not going to do it for yourself, then do it for us. Yes. That would be our therapy. Yes. Do that. Talkspace.com slash W-O-T. And now, back to the evil genius, DJ Greenland. So you're back on the box up in Rochester. Yes. And is that just where you're going to stay for the rest of your life? Are you like... I'm mm -hmm. here, and this is my town, and that's it. Hell to the no, no. <laughs> I'm so inspired at this point, because mind you, it's 93. I'm starting to DJ now. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the, the, the college parties. I'm still in my mind. I'm a beat maker. Yeah. I'm going to be a producer. I'm you so, got that ASR. I was so into it, right? Then it becomes, you know, so that was that's 93. And then fast forward, I started making mixtapes like 97. Um, got really good at it. And then... Started winning the mixtape awards. Started that's where I got my my like recognition. I started you know doing that, and at the same time, the the tapes were branching out, right? So I had homies in New York that I was sending. Um, shout to Big J. He 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 lived in New York City. I would send him like hundreds of tapes, and he would he was walking the dogs for me. He was going to these record labels and dropping tapes off here and there, and like yo, listen to that, you know. And then it became okay. Well, okay, yeah. Well, well, you know, yeah. All right. <laughs> At what point do other DJs start paying attention to you? When I started winning the mixtape awards. Rest in peace, Justo. He mm -hmm. recognized. You know, Justo was also. He started as a promo guy, so I knew him from being at college radio. He was calling me to 
promote records for epic records and other labels he was working with so i'm sending him obviously oh here here's the tape he's like yo this shit is crazy yeah you know so he's like yo i put your ballots in these these mixtape stores and you won <laughs> so get your ass down here and you got a plaque for the awards so then when i popped up as like most creative mixtape dj all the other guys were like who is he <laughs> you know yeah because this is like re really early into my you know presence into the scene that was already taken up by guys like Clue, Craig, SNS, all of these guys, yeah. right? So, I, but I had my little niche, you know. Totally. I, I, I was doing the creative stuff with exclusives with it too. Who's sending you exclusives, or was it just Mace <laughs> from Toronto? <laughs> no, I, I really was getting them primarily from this this one little this little gold mine that I had in Toronto, yeah. like white label wise. And then as I as I got a little bit bigger, I had this guy over here, this guy over there. They would like send me a cassette version of this, and he would like hurry up and dub it. I like that it's twenty years later, and you still won't give yeah, up your yeah, sources. Yeah. Ah man, come on, man! You all hood rules apply. You know? <laughs> so um, the one thing I never did, I I, I didn't. What well, I thought was corny was like paying somebody hundreds of dollars for us. It, I, it wasn't that serious to me because I would be like, nah, I'd rather do a. I'll do a mix with an acapella before I do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. I get it cool, and I was driving up there, by this time I had you know got a car and everything, and I was it's like two and a half hours to, uh, to get you there. You had a car, <laughs> no, but a real car that could make it. You know, and um, I'm driving up there every Thursday, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting getting my little records and like you know putting it out, and everybody's like, "Yo, where'd you get that song? Yeah. Where'd you get these songs?" Now the tapes are selling in like VA, and then, you know this is literally the 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 era of organic. And does that get you like live gigs? Of out course, of state? yes, yes. First place was Hartford, Connecticut. Shout to Hartford, Connecticut. There was a mixtape capital. They loved mixtape DJs so much in Hartford. They would book everybody. That was the first place that that booked me, and they were they started being consistent. Hmm. So I would drive. I'm living in Rochester. I would drive seven hours. Oh my God. To, to Hartford, Connecticut and go pick up $600, $700. What do you listen to in the car while you're making those drives? Or is it just your drops over and over and over? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm listening to, man, I got seven hours. So it was like, you know, a couple mixtapes, new Hove album, Nas album, bootleg this, bootleg that, whatever it is. Just yeah. Whole lot of everything, you but you, not like you know, like sports talk radio, nah, not like nah. you know NPR, like just to like get music out of here. I don't even know what NPR means. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? <laughs> What's your introduction to Hot ninety seven? Who finds out about you? Who makes that first phone call? So this is the era of Sean Taylor. Shout to Sean Taylor being a music director. So, um, Sean Taylor, music director, Tracy Clordy's is a program director mm -hmm. aka the ice queen yeah yeah <laughs> she was not she would not play <laughs> and she kind of embraced that term the ice queen right? totally they want to spice things up there dj enough who i knew from he kind of worked the label side too he was like a and r for def, def jam. jam yep and um when i started doing like i started doing these intros for cornerstone promotions mm -hmm. shout to cl Corey. Yeah. and CL, Rob Stone, um, you know, the whole early, early uh, big row, the whole Cornerstone crew. That's how I got on the radar of DJ Enough. And he got me to do the intro for this Def Jam sampler tape. So at this one point, 
couple years after that, when I started, you know, banging them with the tapes and the awards and everything, they were putting together uh, a Saturday night rotation, midnight to four, every Saturday called Ticket to the Streets. Yeah. So they had a bunch of names, and they were like, all right, let's get this one, this one, this one, this one, and enough put my name in there. And it was like, yo, you got you to gotta get Green Lantern. And a couple other people was familiar They're up there, like, shout to Reggie Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Um, who was assistant PD at the time, who went on to be, you know, serious. serious. Mm-hmm. Um, he was always, you know, cheerleading for me from day zero. And um, so I got, that's how I got that slot, which was, you know, in that rotation, which was um, Camillo, me, K Slay, and... Who um, Kid? Who Kid. Absolute. Um, absolute. Matter of fact... Um, well, first of all, DJ Threat R.I.P. Mm-hmm. was in there originally, and I want to say after no, who kid? Matter of fact, no, who kid wasn't in that one. He got his own Monday night slot when G Unit became you know big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They gave him a Monday night thing. So Abso or Envy, one of the two. No, I think my Envy might have been in the beginning, and then after Threat died, I think they brought in Abso. I believe that's how it went. Mm-hmm. Um, Right, I think Envy was in the first rotation. Either way, yeah. it was a Saturday night. We all had once once a month, you know, and I would drive down and do my midnight to four. Live. Live. Oh my Crash God. at a homie's house and drive back or whatever, yeah. you know. And, um, what was that first night like? It was amazing. It was, it was, it was, you know what it was though? I had already done my first, first, first one was like a Labor Day weekend during the day, Mix Master weekend. Yeah. So oh. That one was, <laughs> this was, okay, so you hear now, now you hear the radio and you hear everyone with their drops and you just press a button and it's just there. Right. There wasn't none of that before. There wasn't any drop in the little machine. It wasn't all digital. Nobody did that. <laughs> so I brought my ASRX and I had a bunch of discs and it had all my drops on it. Green Lantern, the oh. evil genius. Right? Yeah. And so I brought all these discs and I brought this sampler with me and I brought uh, a CDJ because that had just came out. Mm-hmm. So I had ex- some exclusives on the CDJ and everyone who was there was looking at me like, what the hell are you doing? You, you're, you're underneath the mixer plugging shit in. What are you doing? Right? <laughs> so I taped it. I recorded it and I put it out as a, as a cassette, as a mixtape. And yeah. it actually, it's probably bootlegged out there now. It rang off for years. Amazing. And it was DJ Green Lantern, Labor Day, tape, Mix Master, whatever it was. Did you save everything for that? Like, were you just like, yo, I'm going to like I made kill this. I made routines. I did all type of things because, yo, we grew up listening to Mix Master's Weekend. And like, damn, who, who's going to be on? You know, oh, Clark Kent's going to be on. And you coveted you wanted that like that was a dream yeah to be on to be a dj on Mixmaster weekend and you right? did it and i did it man and you know it was a it was a blessing and you know shout to everybody that you know was was uh like i said you know enough and everybody that was played a part in letting me do that and um that was just more inspiration to just keep going keep going keep going so the next step i'm guessing if my timeline's right is that eminem comes calling no no not yet um, they gave me the Sunday night slot, which at first was the Pitbull 
radio. It was one hour. I think it was like one to two or eleven to twelve. One of Big those. Big dog pitbull. Big not, dog pitbull. Not pitbull yeah. the no, not pitbull the rapper. The <laughs> international star yeah, yeah, pitbull. Yeah. No, Mr. Worldwide. That would be amazing. Right. right. <laughs> that would be. That would. But this <laughs> was into reggae right now. Right. This was. This was rest in peace. Big Cap. Yeah. And Cipher Sounds. And because it was Flex's crew. Yeah. So yeah. They yeah. Got one hour on Sunday night, and um, somebody in the industry was like. Man, it's a buried slot. No one was listening to that. I was like, man. So anyway, I got that slot. They gave me that slot after them. It yeah. was like, Sife don't want to do it, whatever, whatever, right? <laughs> so I was like, bet. So I had that slot for a minute. And then, it, you know, uh, uh, whatever happened um, to where there was a space and, and there was a need for a DJ in yeah. Eminem camp. So... Paul Rosenberg had heard all of the Cornerstone tapes. He was listening to uh, the mixtapes, and he was like, yo, this guy's kind of creative. Maybe you and him can put a ill show together, right? So we met, clicked, boom. Now we're doing like, shows. Actually, like, first meeting Eminem. Um, that's, you know what's odd? I was thinking you about that him? today. No. <laughs> right, I, I've never met him. Um, in preparation for this interview, I thought back to the first day I met him. And... um. I feel like I might have dissed him on the low without realizing it because I had listened to, they had brought me in the studio. He was in LA, was at the, um, as a record, no, it wasn't record one, but one of Dre's studios. Mm -hmm. And they were mixing or finishing uh, recording the Eminem show. So I heard a few things in that session. I was like waiting to meet him. They had they had finalized that it was going to be me because there was a couple other people whose name was in the hat, and they're like, "Okay, cool. Now you got to go meet him and see if he likes you, yeah. or if you, or if he says this guy's a dick." You know right. what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, sure. Which so, you are, by the way. Which I am. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if people haven't guessed that, by the way. So I hear cleaning out my closet. And I'm like, okay, In instrumentation-wise, it sounded slightly similar to me to Renegade. Mm -hmm. With like, you know, I'm, as I'm in my producer head, yeah. right? Oh, side stick, snare, upright bass, mm -hmm. you know? So when we finally meet, which is later on that night, he's like, yo, you, you got to hear some of the album? And I was like, yeah, I really like that one that sounds like Renegade. And he looked <laughs> at me like... Like with this, like almost like a scowl, like, 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 why are you saying my, my, you know what I'm saying? Why are you saying this sounds like this other thing? Like, I felt like, okay, I, I was like a shot. Right. right. You know what I mean? And um, then I was like, no, it's great though. It's great. <laughs> but um, that was, I, as I remember, that was on the balcony. This is so hip hop and rock and roll. Yeah. At the same time, it was on the balcony of the Chateau Marmont. So very Doors, Jim Morris. Yeah, yeah. Of, of that moment. Also, and, 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 Del Rey. And, 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 and Entourage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. Shout um, out to Scott Venner. By the way, yeah, shout, shout out to Scott Venner. I thought you were going to say, like, it was the same balcony that uh, yeah, Shug <laughs> held. Yeah. That might have Wasn't that the same balcony? Yeah, it Let's make been. it that might balcony. Yeah, 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 sure. Whatever. So, this podcast is all lies anyway. <laughs> Who cares? I never had a paper out. Yeah. That's <laughs> not my son. What was the first artist who really reached out to do a, a mixtape? that gave you full creative control and was like i i want like green lantern at his best evil genius um that scenario probably was it came later like years after yeah. years years after that point it mm -hmm. came from beanie siegel okay okay one of my favorites by the way uh, public enemy yes, number one yes yeah. sir yes sir like that project is so inspired i think by both of you guys mm. um what, what was your experience with that 
So at that point, I had done, um, I had made a mark on the on the big side. Like I was, I had done my tapes before that, which were normal mixtape DJ compilations of you know this this guy's song and that guy's song, and I was doing my little creative stuff with it, the intros and all of that. And then I had done both shady projects which were monsters you yeah. know the invasion series oh, and i had done the jadakiss champions here and then it then it was because both of those didn't start out with here green you know you have to show and prove right um so by the time the kiss joint was done and in the streets and it was a monster then it was somebody from the lib i think it might have been big face gary wow who said Yo, Beans wanted to do the tape with you. It was going to be somebody else, but he wants to do that tape with you because he heard Kiss tape. Wow. So that was the first one who was like, I see what this guy can do. Let me just give him the music and trust him and, and listen to his ideas. And maybe you should, of my ideas, like you should rap over this and do this and do that and do that. Was he well aware of every instrumental you brought to him? Oh, most definitely. I mean, this is hip hop. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, but he had his own thing. Like, honestly, that's the one tape. They had too much material. There was like probably four or five songs that that were left off of it. It was like probably 30 songs on that tape. But he was just in beast mode so much, he just wanted to rap. Where'd you record? In his house in Philly. And I went out there a couple times. We drove. And both <laughs> both times I remember by the end of the night, it was like, these are like late night sessions. I'll get there midnight, leave out 8, 8 a.m. Yeah. Um, all his guys would be passed out because he he recorded in like a finished off basement, and he just had the the Pro Tools set up with the mic stand and the engineer right there with the laptop, and the M box. Remember those days? Sure, so yeah. He would have a bunch of his guys there, and they would all be passed out on the floor, literally by like five six a.m. And they all had these just like conspicuous paper bags with bottles in them i feel like that was syrup back then yeah 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 heavy heavy well, and, and was like early on that yeah exactly yeah. exactly so just amazing you know hip-hop memories just just doing that yeah what's it like watching him rap it's incredible it's insane it's beanie siegel yeah <laughs> you know and it was at the height of siegel yeah you yeah, know what yeah, i'm saying yeah. and i'm like wow this is crazy yeah. this is like i'm still a hip-hop kid yeah, at yeah. Heart. i'm still the kid amazed at at Kid Capri on the cassette tape and like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But now I'm in it and yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm contributing now. You know what I'm saying? And and he's like, yo, they, they, you know, this this tape gonna be crazy. Talk about that Jada Kiss one. The champ is here. I wasn't, yo, I wasn't supposed to be on that. No one knows this. No, th that tape was gonna be Big Mike. Shout to Big Mike, Big Mike from Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, made tapes. And in the exclusive lane, right? Like I told you, most eyeballs were on those guys. So Kiss was getting ready to do a tape. And I don't know how I found out about it. I'm kicking it. Mike was a good friend of mine. So I think Mike might have told me. And I was like, yo, man, I want to get on that tape. And he's like, yo, holler at Kiss. <laughs> so I, by this time, I now I slightly know J.D. Kiss from being just in the industry, you know. And uh, he's like, you know, this is after the Shady tapes. He was like, yeah, come on, let both of y'all do it. So that's why the first champ is here is me and Big Mike. Going back to the Shady tapes, because that's like when I first started hearing about you, and that's when I saw you up in Boston. What was it like to to put the first one together? Wow. Um, 
there's a there's a blend on it. I'm gonna give you an example. There's a blend on it of and this is late in the tape of Eminem lose yourself over Nas one mic beat, mm-hmm. and that's the first and probably may, or maybe only time that Eminem heard that and goes, "You are an evil genius," because <laughs> <laughs> it just I made all the you know the like the inflections in his voice match up with the beats or whatever whatever. But that tape alone, obviously, that was the tape of him. Um, responding to Benzino right. and there was this heightened beef element to it but it was also me leveling up into yo now I'm this guy's tour DJ and he has these other artists and I've seen me being in the mix I've seen a couple other people do like crew tapes so I kind of put some we put some of those wheels in motion like yo we should do a, do a mixtape so, you know, to like, to, just to highlight the label, of course, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And, um, and then I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. But he loves to rap too. Rappers love to rap. Mm-hmm. I love rappers that want to rap. Yeah. And he had a reason to rap. So that, you know, that came that with the, you know, and he was going back and forth with Benzino. So there was the sauce and the nail in the coffin. Both yeah. of those records. Yeah. And this is no hyperbole are classic records. Yes. Which like, I don't. There, that might be like the most listened to record I've ever played. Like, yeah, uh, nail in the coffin. Like, any, I, I listen to any that. road trip if we're going down to see our cousins down in Washington and we're driving. Like, that's absolutely there, and yeah. we'll rewind it and spit every. It's the best. You, you first of all, you're getting stories here that I've never told a soul in my life. Just because it's just like everyday things, but when you look back on, it, it's like wow. No, it's significant. The, the, the day I heard nail in the coffin, we had some random show at some like. College in Michigan somewhere, right? So it was like everybody is there. I'm the DJ. <laughs> Flew me in for it. I don't live in Detroit, so I don't really hang with those guys like that. But all of D12 was there, and M comes in, and uh, so it's like me and Proof, and I think Swifty was Swifty McVeigh was there, mm-hmm. and uh, Proof had driven up for from his crib to wherever this spot was in Michigan whatever so M was hyped because he had just finished the song and he was like yo let's go in the car and drive around the parking lot and listen to the song I just made so <laughs> I jump in the car so I think it's me Swifty um, M and Proof and we just sat there and listened drove around this parking lot listening to the sauce which to me was my f- favorite over nail in the coffin. Wow! Mm-hmm. Um, Turns out you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm wrong. Um, but just thinking back on it, it becomes a it becomes a real like wow. It becomes like a, like like a moment that you look back on and be like wow. There was you know rest in peace proof. And, yeah. You know that was who like, was driving. I I want to say it was proof, but then again, it might have been proof. Might have been because I feel like I'm seeing him in the passenger seat. And might have said, you know, but I I don't remember that. Was but Eminem I, in the back middle? Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not. But nah, man, just just like you know, moments like that, and and just there's like a million of those. Um, talk about Hail Mary coming together. Oh my god, Hail Mary. Okay, the Tupac version. <laughs> yes. So Tupac didn't like Biggie. Yeah. So anyway, the first tour that that um, which was the anger management tour that I was on with M, I'm a mixtape DJ. I'm trying to get the guy that I now DJ for to rap for something for my tape. Right. So Selfish. every now and then, I'm you know I'm picking and choosing because it's, it's a superstar guy now. So you don't want to make him think you're a thirsty DJ guy. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But every now and then, you'll be like, you know, you figure out 
what does he like? Maybe he wants to rap on that. He's a big Tupac fan. So one day on the tour bus, I was like, yo, you ever think about rapping on some, maybe like Tupac beats? And he was, his head perked up like, I was like, maybe this? And I had the instrumental to Hail Mary. And he goes, ooh. <laughs> and six months, seven months later, he goes, yo, remember that Hail Mary thing? I think I got something. And it was that. And I was, I was like, whoa, what is this? Yeah. You know, because, that, you know, and that was obviously a sign of the times of what they were in, the, the, you know, the situation with this one and with them and them. And, yep. you know, um, so it became something more than just me wanting him to rap on Hail Mary. Right, right. You know? Yeah. But and then yeah. he he got fifty, yes, on it, yeah, and uh, and then Busta just got on after on the, his own the shots at Violator or yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I believe that's yeah. probably what prompted Busta yeah. to, to do that. And had you yeah. met Busta at that point? Oh yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. Busta because Busta was very active on the mixtape circuit. So Busta Rhymes, I think, was the first person that I ever got to send me a freestyle to my house because Busta at this time was like. 2001 2002 you know he was doing freestyles and he was really active and it was flip mode squad era yep so i remember getting that cd that was like from whatever studio they did it at and it's like green lantern freestyle and i was like wow i made it <laughs> <laughs> but um turns out he was sending freestyles to everybody turns out <laughs> damn it um but nah yo shout shout to bus you know um i i think he just kind of felt a way about his car getting shot yeah, I wanted to jump on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know. What was the impetus behind, what was the genesis? <laughs> How did you come up with The Champ is Here? Here's a story about The Champ is Here song. Mr. C had a drop, uh, our sweeper, on uh, that he used to play all of the time yep. in between songs, right? And it was just like bigging himself up, right? So he took the part of the Ali movie right. that was like, the champ is here. Yeah. The champ is here. Whoosh, Mr. C on Hot 97. Yeah. So every time I heard that, I was like, yo, that's that's a, that's a, that's a beat. Somebody needs to make a song. Why doesn't somebody make a song out of this? This is what I'm saying to myself <laughs> as I'm listening to this. Did you tell Mr. C? Yes. So, <laughs> so about six months later after listening to this and listening to this, I was like, yo, I got, let, me, let me, yo, C. I think I can make a song out of that. Do you mind if I mind if I go into the computer? Because I, now I'm at the station too. Yeah. He's like, yeah, go ahead. So I get it, and I make uh, I you know sample the drums or the, it's, it's congas and it's it's Ali's voice or it's actually Will, Will Smith's Smith, voice yeah. from the movie, right? So um, by now I'm on the fun fact I'm on an MPC four thousand. Now this is, <laughs> this is this is you know producer wise we've yeah, sure. we've leveled up, right? Yeah. So this is 2004, <laughs> three, um, I feel like four, because it was after Two Guns Up, which was 2003, oh. which is another whole nother story. Yeah, right? we'll get to that. Champ is here, is me, I'm getting ready to do a mixtape, and so I make a beat out of it, right? So where it's not just the champ is here, so I, so I separated the, the congas and, and made it like, what would it sound as a full beat, right? Well, that's just a hook, right? Yeah. I wanted to make this really just like almost like a like a blend but like on steroids almost right so I took the third verse Jadik's first single for his second album 
was called Time's Up. Oh. Right? Yeah. And so um, there was an acapella released. So I took the third verse of that acapella and put it over this beat, and he happens to start his verse and go, you know, champ is here. Started from crack, now it's two anthems a year. Yeah. I was like, wow, that really <laughs> fits, right? And it fit tempo-wise, and I was like, okay, cool. So I put it on the tape. This tape, I forget what it was. I think it was in the lab, the one I think I had Dame Dash host. Wow. Right? This is just another various artist, me being a mixtape DJ, and I'm working now, right? So this is me being Green Lantern. I, I put things together. I'm, sure. I, I get verses. I get freestyles. I get exclusives. But I also make my own creations, Frankenstein, however you may want to put it, right? Yeah. So Mr. C, or it might have been Monse, took it off the tape the day after it came out and start playing it on the radio. Wow. So I start getting blown up. Kiss is like, yo, everybody blowing me up. What is this thing you made that's on the radio? <laughs> right? And um, so I'm like, yo, all I know is you got to do another verse because it's one verse. And it, his single, The Time's Up, was kind of just like, not really getting a whole lot of love at mix show. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like, you know, we all knew that was that's him. Yeah, you know, yeah. everybody loved him, but that particular song, which was the lead single for his project, yep. wasn't really drawing a lot of excitement. Right. Right. As sometimes singles do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um anyway, I'm like, you know you gotta do a second verse to that. Mm -hmm. And when you do the second verse, you need to shout out Mr. C. Because that's where the drop came from. Yeah. You need to shout out Mr. C because we need to keep him happy. Right. <laughs> and and he's going to play the shit out of yeah, it because yeah. it says his name. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you're right. <laughs> so, and he puts Mr. C verse, yep. Mr. C name in the verse. Fun fact. Before, like, so the this, this same week it starts popping. Flex, I'm listening to the radio, and Flex is with Mr. C on the radio. Remember, Flex, Flex and C used to talk all the time yeah, on the radio? Yeah, yeah. He's going, yo, what's this song? What, what is this? What is this? And Mr. C goes, yo, oh, it's a Green Land thing, and Flex is getting ready to go in on me. And, and he goes, so, did he take it from you? Did he? Did he? Did he? And, and Mr. C was like, no, 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 he called. He called. He was like, okay, all right, Green Lantern. Okay. <laughs> good. Good. Good choice. <laughs> oh my god. I got I got I could, we could be here all night. Oh yeah, no. All right, two guns up. Yeah. Two guns up. Which by the way, and we've told this to Jada mm -hmm. when we had him on, we told it to Styles when we had him on. Yes. Uh whenever we get Sheik, we'll tell him the same. The loudest we've ever heard Giant Stadium, MetLife Stadium, whatever. The loudest we've heard New right. Jersey. Believe that. Is when there. they came out yes. to Two Guns Up at Summer Jam. Yes. Amazing. Blew me away. Blew me. That, hearing that stadium say that. To start their set. Yo. So, when I told you I started, I did the Sunday night run, right? I was doing Sunday night. I wanted to make a big impact. So, they were doing a D-block thing at that time. They had J-Hood. Right. Styles was locked up at this, at this moment. He did a, a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... I had, um, you know, I, I, I damn near bugged and begged, like, yo, can y'all come up here? It's my first week. I want to date. You know what I'm saying? I want to have an interview and a freestyle from y'all if you could, you know. 
um, they came up and we pre-recorded it. So we're in the back studio and we pre-recorded this freestyle and an interview and everything. And they freestyled, which, you know, they had written verses, pre, you know, whatever, right? But it's technically called a freestyle, right? So they rapped over, bumped that, right? Yep. The Mob Deep thing, then 50 rapped on it before, yep. right? Yep. So, after that. So they rapped on that beat, but because we pre-recorded it, and because we were in a back studio, it was just like this, what you're recording on now, separate tracks. So I had to load the beat in, and the beat was separate from the vocals. Now, I'm not going to say that I'm an evil genius, <laughs> but these are things that are just elementary to me. I have these vocals, and I'm already the acapella fiend. Right. So I'm already thinking as they're doing this, like, oh, I'm going to take this. I'm making this into a song. I already know this, right? So... I air the interview, I air the freestyle, and I don't put it out. I don't put the freestyle out because I'm hoping, and I'm hoping nobody puts this out because people are ripping radio interviews and freestyles. We yeah, have a lot of those. Including yeah. you. <laughs> I'm hoping nobody grabs this and rips this because I have this acapella and this dude just made a crazy hook. That's how Kiss started his rhyme. Oh, my God. That's how he was the first. He's that's how he came in. So it was on his mind, like he was gonna do that over something, right? Yeah. yeah. So as he's saying it, I'm like, oh, this is so crazy. I'm gonna <laughs> make something out of this, right? So it was like three, four months later, and I'm working on the conspiracy theory, the, the volume two, the shady tape. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, I got this acapella, I got this, and um, I put it together, made I made an original beat, and. You know, put that whole thing together, made it like a little scratch hook for it. And I found this is a shout to Super Mario. Super Mario was D Block's um, consigliere, yep. you know, who's getting all the DJs their freestyles and everything. And he would give me acapellas because this is me asking him, yo, do you know those freestyles that you get? Did you get to everybody? Can you just give me the acapellas? The stuff that's already been out, I'm good with it. I, I don't care because right. I'm going to make something out of it. So that's where I took Styles' verse from, a freestyle that he did random for something else. Oh, my God. So it's really the only people who rapped on it live was Kiss, Sheik, and J-Hood. And I added a, a Styles' verse, <laughs> right? So anyway, that appeared on you know, this tape that had all of this beef and all this other stuff going on but then right after if you look at the tape right after the whole beef section was that song wow so that started the rest of the tape yeah and then people was like wait yo that's hell mary that shit is crazy but what's that <laughs> so that started getting play on the radio that was really the first thing that wasn't exactly the first thing that, that had gotten played I, I made this um years before that would blew my mind when I was living in Rochester. I made this remix of Music Soul Child with a two-way beat to it. Do 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 do, and I, and and I gave it to Mr. C, and he he was doing these bootleg vinyls of like remixes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he put it out, and he was play it, and then Flex started playing it, and people were sending me tapes with Flex bombing it up. I'm still living in Rochester at this point. So, but the very next thing that happened after that was Two Guns Up. That started getting played. We made a white label. Send you know, it to Toronto. <laughs> at, at this time, I'm like, who needs Toronto? Shout out to Toronto. What was that 50 line from, by the way? That was from Back Down. It was all the Harlem. Yeah, they come yeah. from y'all. And I remember... 
there's no acapella to that. I literally called 54 Sound and I talked to M's manager, I'm not his engineer, and I said, because that was recorded there. Um, I or was it recorded there, or they had the masters of it, or, or whatever. And I was like, "Yo, can I get the acapella that?" <laughs> because I needed that one line. Yeah. So I remember calling to get that line because I was like, I was making the scratch hook, and I was, and that line stuck in my some from when the first time I heard it, because that's what he's talking about. Right. It's them. Yeah. Right. And DMX. Yeah. You know, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I was like, oh, this fits. This is perfect. Oh, this is going to be the last line in the scratch hook, right? And it made such an impact just having that little piece in there, you know? Totally. Continuity. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Which this podcast has none. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was a, a section of time in the mid-2000s where blending live and, and um, what was the term for it? Uh, um, mashups. Mashups became like the biggest thing how'd you feel about that whole time i felt like that was the first time i ever felt like my culture got um gentrified yeah that was my first experience with gentrification like wait a minute y'all calling this a mashup this is blends right it's not latte it's coffee So I'm like, mashup? What the hell is this? Right. It's a fucking blend. Did it did it cost you gigs? Did it do you nah, feel No, not at all. Would it actually it actually helped me because there was Because you were a mashup DJ. <laughs> to, to them, yeah, to yeah. them to, to them I was the supreme when they because right, right. they were getting it from guys like, you know, rest in peace AM sure, yeah. and, and you know, guys like that that were on a different page. Mm-hmm, yeah. Right. Very much a Vegas page, a Hollywood page, a lot of eyeballs from a different crowd. Right. 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 And then when they saw me, they were like, Whoa, that's intricate. Yeah. That's not just this beat with this acapella. He made hooks. He's you know what I mean? He's totally. making intros and outros and, and all of that. So it helped me. Yeah, there was a deeper there was a deeper So you you weren't just like, Oh, here's Michael Jackson and I'm gonna put that under Nas. <laughs> <laughs> you've toured with Nas, you've toured with M Jay. You've toured with Jay. Uh does it ever sort of hit you that you've worked with those you know, legends? Um, and and that's a big part of your career. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously, like like moments like right now when you, when you say that, and then when you realize, look, those are huge figures, right? I'm my own little self in the culture, hip hop culture, DJ world, whatever that may be, right? But those are guys that will put you, if you're associated with them, affiliated with them, stand next to them, on a different level. You know what I mean? So I always look at it as a blessing to be able to say, you know, um, I, I'm, you know, probably humbly the only person that's ever like officially been those three guys. But I think I think what matters just as much um, is the fact that you toured with these guys is that you're a creative DJ and these guys chose you to be their DJ. You're not just a push button DJ. Like that says something too. That says something about them and what they want from a from a live show. But uh, but M and and um, and Jay, I feel like you had said before in some interview they didn't allow you to be like fully out there. Here's the thing with that. Yes and no. I won't say no, but um, yeah. yes. But <laughs> with that being said, let me explain. 
Um, they were both superstars when I came into their circle. And they were superstars that had been on tours and tours and tours and tours. And they knew what they were comfortable with on stage. Yeah. And they were used to putting the set list together themselves and handing it to someone saying, this is what I want to do. Right? But also the reason why I got brought in is to do some creativity. Right? So I was like, okay, cool. This is the boundaries. Let me work within these parameters. Okay, let me flip some beats here and here where I can. Mm -hmm. By the time I got to Nas... He's a different guy. He was like, you know what? I want you to put it together. Run it by me. I'll yay and nay it. We'll switch some stuff around, but I want you to be, you know, the guy that puts it together, you know, which I don't think anything is better. I just think that it's different. Mm -hmm. When you say that, when you say like they, um, you know, wanted you, my creativity or whatever, whatever. Before becoming Jay's DJ, a couple of years before that, Jay flew me, um, to LA to do some work on his uh, his set for the R. Kelly tour that he had. Yep. Remember the tour that exploded and yep. yeah, yeah, then yeah. went on the one that went perfectly. Yeah, 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 right. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and the re and so he he had you know I'm at this time I'm like you know I'm like the all those tapes that came out and it's like wow this kid kid is doing things. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. You know so oh he, those tapes yeah yeah, yeah you yeah, know yeah. I thought you were talking about you know. <laughs> <laughs> Jay's co-headliner. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, no, yeah, yeah. not 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 the people right, tapes. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so this is the unfinished business tour, right? Wasn't it? no, that was that the, was 2004. Uh, Best of both worlds. No, but I think unfinished business was the second. This is the first one. Okay, where, the first, first one. one. Where, where they, yeah, where the they, one that did not go well. The one where they sprayed him. Yeah. Right. I thought that was for the second one. I, I think remember. it was for the second album. I don't oh, think you want to know what? It might have been album. because yeah. why would they do it yeah. a second time yeah, 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 if, they yeah. had, if you I had think, been maced? I think, <laughs> right. So I think I, whatever one, happened yeah. the first one, but this is the second one. Yes. Um, anyway, he's like, look, this guy, his, these are his words. I mean, I'm paraphrasing because I don't exactly remember, but I remember him saying, look, this guy's got hit after hit after hit, and I got to come after him with my rap songs. <laughs> so he's like, I want you to put together... Make my set flow some just some just some cool, you know, little slick tricks, right? Like little scrappy song. You don't want no problems, yeah. problems. That was out at that time. So I was like, all right, well, let's do ninety nine problems over and bring that hook in. You don't want no problem. Then, then do like one of the verses over it. And he was like, oh, that exactly <laughs> right. So I did like four or five of those. Then he like closed the door on you and then went. To <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, more of that. <laughs> So um, then I see, because I'm not the DJ for the tour or nothing. I just, you know, gave him these little elements. So then I see, like, the tour happen. And then I see, like, um, I hear in these reports that, like, R. Kelly is thinking that Jay-Z is showing him up on stage. So he's getting in his feelings and he's he's doing he's acting erratic and he's going to work at the McDonald's drive-thru. Remember yeah, these yeah, stories, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. So in my head, I'm like... The things that I made for Jay-Z <laughs> threw R. Kelly into the McDonald's drive-thru. I'm that good. <laughs> or that evil. I'm that evil. So even though, I mean, whatever, you know. But, right, right, right. Um, I, it, was, it was just like a That's little... That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, ready for this? Everyone knows at this point uh, that Jay wanted to do a mixtape with you, that you guys did some stuff. It never came out, but... Uh, we have recordings of um, some of the stuff that you played on air, like on Hot 97, right? Uh, ASAP. 
TI's yeah, yeah. ASAP. And in my iTunes, if you, so we'll go to like California for business and some rental car doesn't like work exactly with iPhone. So you plug it in and it goes to the first song yeah. in your playlist. And it's always that it's song. Always that song. <laughs> it's always that song. And it's always great. And it's always great. How many songs did you guys work on together? Maybe a handful. And do you ever like go back and listen to them yourself? Nah, they're they're like, you know, you know, on a hard drive is just sit somewhere. You know, um, it's been eleven years now. Sure. You know? um, a, a lot of those songs that were going to be on that tape, like what I try to do is I try to get things done, right? So I knew we had a bunch of stuff in the vault, and by the time this this happened when I was on the tour with him, like halfway during the tour, he mentioned something like, "Well, when you do my tape, blah blah blah," and I was like. Your tape, <laughs> Just don't play with me, right? You know, so that and that he was like, Yeah, but this is right before Kingdom Come album was gonna come out. So, in his mind, it was like, This is the tape before my album, right? So, he was gonna do a few freestyles or whatever, and we're gonna go into the vault and play a bunch of you know stuff that, that he previously was like, Ah, it didn't make this album, it didn't make this album, whatever, right? One of the ones that he did was ASAP. He did that on the tour in the hotel room. Uh, Memphis Bleak operating the Pro Tools. Wow. I did not know Pro Tools at this time. I was being lazy. I had a, I had an eight-track um, hard disk recorder in the crib, and I was just like lazy to learn Pro Tools because my little eight-track did everything. Wow. But now I'm on this tour, and Memphis Bleak records himself on Pro Tools, like literally sits here and records himself, and it blew me away. So when Jay wanted to do, you know, some vocals on the tour, Guru was I was at that. He he actually linked up in, in the end of the tour to, so Jay could finish Kingdom Come. So he flew Guru out then. But before that, Memphis Bleak had to run the damn <laughs> computer. I'm like, yo, this is so insane. This is so insane. We're in a hotel room in Africa, and he's rapping to this oh like, my god but it's like the, fan fiction <laughs> yo <laughs> but the illest part of it was how the, the the idea of it came this this was a world tour not excluding there was no domestic no america but it was literally the whole world and for the africa part of it everybody was on the same private jet because they didn't want to split people up and in Africa and have like something happen. Sure. Right. right you yeah. know, the, the lighting director and the, whatever, they're all going to get on the plane with us. Right. So for like two weeks, we're all on the same plane. So what I would do is I had my MPC 1000 that, that I had that I actually bought on tour, which is a whole nother story. <laughs> but, I'm at this point. This this is him confirmed. He had confirmed he wanted to do a tape. So now I'm like in my head. I'm I gotta come with some ideas. Right. So he I knew he liked Ti just from hearing things and whatever interviews, whatever. So I was like, I'm going through my Ti instruments. I'm trying to make these things happen. Right. I'm trying to push it along. Right. So. I put the whole hook together over that oh, back beat. in the building, back in the yeah. building, bring back in the back. Yeah. Right, right. Because that we, was we hear it every time we go to California. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, <laughs> that's the acapella of what more can I say? I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which from Black Album, right? So anyway, I remember being on the private jet 
and and I don't I say this very humbly. I'm not trying to stunt, but this is this is hip hop no, stories. No, talk about you, it, want, talk about you it. want the story? Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> so it would always be me sitting across from Bleak in the two chairs over here, and there was four chairs over here, and it's Jay, his mom, uh, B, and probably like Lenny S. Yeah. Um, and they're like playing spades or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Just regular people stuff, right? Yeah. So. I'm, and I'm always in my headphones just to myself or me and Bleak off talking about rolling backwards or whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, I'm like, man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to land this. So I would, I would make something in the MPC and hand him the headphones. He literally was like an aisle away from me. And you I hand did, it to Jay? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like, listen to this. Yeah. And I did it a couple times with other stuff and it didn't quite get a reaction. But then with this, he was like, he stopped what he was doing and just was like, Whoa. <laughs> so then, fast forward, maybe like three, four days later, he was like, yo, I want to record to that for the for the thing, you know? Wow. And end up doing it. We did a couple more that um, were like scratch versions of songs that, that never came out. Um, then we come home from the tour, and what happened was... I had to deduce this because I never kind of got an official reason why, but the tape got a, got shelved. Mm-hmm. I really feel like it's because it was too close to the album coming out, which and and I don't I say this again humbly. I, at that point, I'm known for the guy that makes the mix tape mixtape that's better than the yeah, album. album. Yeah, I say that super humbly, of course. right? And it's super close to the album. Right on that tour, towards the end of the tour, we started performing "Show Me What You Got" with the album date behind on the on the screen. Yeah, and in the back of my head, I'm like, "Damn, I hope, to, I hope this tape." But the tape is going to be all original music, so you it can't be too close to this this right. thing, right? Or else, else it's going to be like, yeah, right? overshadowing it, whatever, whatever. You're making right? people choose, right? Yeah. So tape gets derailed. I'm still Green Lantern, a mixtape DJ. Yeah. Right. So. And the producer, don't don't sell yourself short. Yeah. yeah. But I'm getting ready to do a mixtape. Yeah. And now this is like six months later, so I'm like, what do I got? What do I got? So I start really, in my mind, I'm deducing, okay, anything from this tape. What can I play from this tape? Right. I can't play this. That's an original beat. Right. That because he might want to do something with that song. Whatever song it was, but I'm I get to the ASAP and I'm like, wait a minute, it's Ti's beat. He's doing Ti's flow, mm-hmm. so theoretically, he's not going to take those rhymes and put them on an original beat. So it ain't one of those, right? So, so theoretically, he can't be mad. Theoretically, <laughs> yeah. he can't be mad. Right? Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> the theory that didn't work. So did he call you and say, oh, or did Lenny call you? Nah, Carlene. <laughs> Carlene called you. Carlene. She said, buy two tickets. You get that two tickets. Whenever this this what this how it was yeah. when you would get the unknown come up <laughs> on your phone. Yeah. Nobody else was hitting me from the unknown right. except her saying, "I have Jay for you." So this is the day, <laughs> the day after this tape came out and obviously that was right there and, it, and it, because it's Jay everybody hears it and it becomes a thing yeah. and it got got to him he called me and he was, what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> I was like I was like yo you know it's it's, it's you know it's vocals you know you know what I'm saying it's his flow he was like but did you ask me 
I was like, no. I felt like such a kid. I was like a five-year-old <laughs> on his phone. And he was like, don't do that again. Don't, don't, don't do that again. Don't, oh, you, man. If you want to play something, call me. Respect me. I respect you. And what, what was I going to say to that? But, right. yo, my bad. <laughs> yeah. You know? And um, after that, Dead Presidents 3, the snippet got leaked. And because I had put ASAP out, he thought it was me. But it wasn't me. Oh. And I it, was like exclusive. No. <laughs> yeah. It, it got put on like a um one of the mixtape guys' tapes. Yeah. Right. And it was a snippet. It wasn't even a whole thing. Right. And I'm like, yo, why would I do that? Right. I don't get no look off of that. Right. Yeah. Right? What right. Are you using? I sold it or whatever. Like this it was serious. Yeah. This was yeah. like, yo, you know, this was like, yo, dog, you you know what I'm saying? You were like in a doghouse right now, bro. You know? And then, um, you know, it was like, I literally, I remember this was, this was Thanksgiving. Like, I just remember I was at my sister's house and I'm getting these texts and he's texting me like, yo, yo, this is whack, dog. Why? Because he's thinking I did it because I did put the ASAP out. Yeah. yeah. Right, yeah you know what yeah. I'm saying? And I'm like trying to tell me, yo, that shit wasn't me. Right. But you can't tell somebody who already is like, you already showed yourself. When people show you who they are, believe them. That thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, damn, man. Had I not put the ASAP out, I could, it would have been, yo, it wasn't me. Right. Yeah. And they would have just kept it moving on yeah, saying, yeah, who yeah. else did it? Right. But because Green, you know, I get it. I totally get it. So I was in the doghouse for a minute. Wow. A couple months. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but. Everything got, you know, he was like, yeah, I'm cool. yeah. it's cool, it's yeah. cool. Yeah. He still thought I did it, but he was like, yo, it's cool, it's cool. <laughs> you didn't? Nah, I didn't. So I, no, I know, I know, you know I'm saying. I hope he listens that. to this podcast. Chad didn't do it! <laughs> Guys, we just wanted to take one more second away from this interview with DJ Green Lantern to remind you that on September 6th, we're going to London and doing a live podcast with... DJ Semtex, DJ motherfucking Semtex, who has talked to everybody. From Jay-Z, Kanye West, DJ Khaled, and Drake, and now these two idiots. There's so much history there. Def Jam UK. There's a lot to cover. It's going to be a great evening, September 6th. You can get your tickets right now at itsthereal.com slash London. Eric and I are going to be getting the Learjet out of the garage and flying it straight over to Heathrow to talk to DJ Semtex and to all of you. I believe there's going to be a Q&A and a meet and greet sort of situation that we're working out. This event is being brought to you guys by our good friend over at the Creative Content Agency and Project Gersh. Shout out to those guys. We appreciate them bringing us out to London. It's going to be a hell of an event. Get your tickets right now. It's thereal.com slash London. And now back to the evil genius. You broke our New York radio hearts when you went down to Atlanta. Um, See, you thought this was going somewhere else. <laughs> Which we can talk about that. What's that? The the, the So, like... I mean, you've talked about in other interviews, like um, how you, how you felt when um, the Jadakus phone call got leaked and all that. Um, but I want to talk about you squashing the beef with Jadakus. You went up to a restaurant in Yonkers. Yep. Around uh, this was before before the his his next, which was the third album, "Kiss My Ass," was getting ready to come out, and Def Jam had called me. And was like, yo, we want you to do, you know, he getting ready to come out with an album. We want you to do the mixtape. We want y'all to patch it up. This was like three years later. Mm -hmm. It was 08, so it was three years later. You know, um, 
how do we fix this? How do we, you know, it's been three years, like, right? So, you know, and I hadn't gotten any, hadn't had any communication with him. And, you know, he had, he had said a couple things like, I apologize. And, you know, he didn't, I had heard from other people that he felt really bad and all of that. But, you know, it really came from Def Jam wanting me to do the next tape, mm-hmm. initiating, okay, well, obviously if, if that tape is going to happen, these guys got to meet up and, you know, figure that shit out. Right. Like, so that was, that's how that happened. That was like, you know, Def Jam had to do X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. And then I had to have a man to man, you know, with him. So that's what it was. He, you know, it was like, um, meet at this restaurant by yourself. Um, he's going to come by himself, sat down and it was, you know, man to man convo of, you know, him saying to me what he said, yeah. you know, and, and we put it behind and it, it is what it is. Yeah. How was the food? <laughs> I didn't eat nothing. <laughs> it does feel like a mafioso sort of thing. Like you show up alone, you show up alone to at an Italian, Italian restaurant, restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> in Yonkers. I guess. Yeah. You know, but um, because I mean, really it was, I guess the the whole show up alone was like. You know, just kind of calculating, like, yo, we don't want nothing to go sideways right. if anybody's feeling a certain way or whatever. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So I get it. But, you know, it was just one of them things, like, you know, hashed it out, talked it out. You know, people said their peace yeah. and put it behind. So you go down to Atlanta. Yes, sir. Why? <laughs> um, I wanted to branch out. You know, I, I wanted to, like, I was going down there. My homeboy Stan lived there. And I was going down there to visit, and I just caught the vibe. Like, this is, vi- this is like, really vibrant down here, and I'm catching a lot of love down here from what I've done. Or you were going down there for a Mace exclusive. Because <laughs> he lived in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, so I went down there to get a Mace exclusive. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, nah, so so my boy DJ Greg Street was on V103 mm-hmm. every day. He's like the Funk Flex of, of Yeah, Atlanta. sure. Welcomed me in, was like, yo, you can come mix on the radio up here. And, uh, you know, I was doing a bunch of clubs and stuff down there, running around as a producer in the studios, doing a bunch of work with this one and that one, and just ended up just getting a crib and just, you know, moving the family there. So that was a few years down there, like three or so. Yeah. So if if you know D Block and and those guys were like your real and you know and obviously all the all the labels are up here and everything. If that was your New York sort of like focus, like who were the guys down in in Atlanta who really like you know found their way to you, artist wise? Um, oh, artist wise, like like Killer Mike, mm-hmm. like uh, Rocco. Mm-hmm. Um, Trouble, Alley Boy, you know, these guys that were like bubbling in the streets where, you know, they would put their mixtapes in the gas stations. Like that was a big spot, you know, for people to buy music was in the gas stations. A lot of people like Roscoe Dash, like this is that era, this is 2010. Right, right. So it was like, you know, um, Travis Porter, like, you know. Did Rocco bring Future by? You know, what's funny is that he was supposed to. And this one, he was they were, he was presenting him as his brother. He was like, "Yo, I'm gonna bring my you know my, my brother future," and um, I was doing my radio show, uh, my serious show, from Drama's studio because Drama had an ISDN line, which right. which allows you to broadcast live from somewhere and go to somewhere else, and it sounds like we're all in the same room. Right. right? Mm-hmm. That's so, how we're doing this. That's <laughs> how we're doing this. Yeah. Right? 
So he was supposed to bring Future one night and whatever. He just, you know, didn't show up or whatever. So we just had a regular, you know, show. With, but, you know, this obviously was before Future was anything. Like, yeah. It wasn't even, you know, you know, magic wasn't out. None of the big hits were out. It was just like, you know, him actually, you know, saying, I'm going to, here's my new artist. Right. Scenario. Yeah. But then after that, I got with Future and like future actually did my birthday party in atlanta um on some you know thanks for supporting me on the radio because i was going crazy on the radio playing future songs because wow. you mentioned mr c <laughs> <laughs> but that's really honestly just me tapping into the call two chains that's another one Ooh. two chains See, that's wait those are like the the you know how, um on Wee's playhouse when you say like a word like all the confetti comes down yeah. i never watched Wee's playhouse bro. really that's suspect that's yeah <laughs> Well, if you say two chains in this house, we go crazy. Oh, like, that's yeah. our that's our guy. Like, but it's like your safe word, <laughs> titty, titty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So he's, he's titty boy, mind yeah. you. So yeah. I know him from when they came on my radio show in New York as Play a Circle. Yeah, and as so it's him and Dollar Boy. So I know them from that, and they came and they freestyled and everything. This is when Duffel Bag Boy was out. So Big record. Here I go. Now I live in Atlanta. I'm catching up with people. I'm just working, right? And I'm being a mixtape DJ, radio DJ, who's connecting, who's a producer, who's connecting with the active guys that are in the market. Titty Boy is one of them. So he was, at this point, he was Titty Boy, a.k.a. 2 Chains. That was just his nickname. Right. And he was putting out mixtapes, and he was doing, like, the Chitlin Circuit, yeah. which is Alabama and all these, you know, yep. southern areas radiating out from Atlanta. So... He was just another another guy that was working, you know, and, um, you know, remembers now the early stage of, of, you know, Green Lantern going in for them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So your next birthday party, no, you know, Tech and, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tech and Charlie, what's up? Here's the gem of all gems. As far as I know, you've never said it. We tried to get the answer from you when we saw you down in Austin, like for uh, Austin City Limits, mm. five, six years ago, whatever that was. Where is your drop from? Green Lantern. Yeah. That's yeah. Lex Luthor from the cartoon Justice League talking about Green Lantern. So that's Lex Luthor's voice saying... Green Lantern, also the evil, evil genius. genius. He's talking about himself. That was Lex Luthor saying Green Lantern and the evil genius. The evil genius. Amazing. Have you ever had, uh, and I meant to ask this to, um, we just saw Clark Kent do a talk at, um, at With Ted, Ted Smooth. Smooth. Yeah. And I was going to ask if Clark had ever had any copyright issues. Have you ever had any copyright issues? Um, I've, I've flown under the radar. <laughs> this far yeah private um, jets <laughs> <laughs> um and i've i've worded i've put out a few commercial things like um grand theft auto 4 i was part of that and we released some music and i released an album with dead prez i released an album with styles p and the wording on those were the evil genius dj green lantern mm. meaning Problem. The problem that people have with copyright is what's what's confusion. It's like the the initial, the original brand, which would be DC Comics, you know, D, uh, Green Lantern via D, DC Comics, which owns that. Mm -hmm. They would say you 
Green, DJ Greenlander are causing confusion in the marketplace and you have a product out that people think is our comic book guy but it's really this DJ playing these dirty rap songs. Right. If you were right. dressed up in a costume as the, oh. as Greenlander from the comics then it's satire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, like I said knock on wood I've you know I've walked the line with it I've, I've, I've given myself some safety net Mm-hmm. You know, if and if and when uh, a cease and desist came or a lawsuit or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, good thing you're seeing with two Jews right now, so right, we can yeah. go to court for you. <laughs> oh hell yeah! Yeah. And we didn't want to let you go before you talk about your new project. Yes. Or at least a song. You know, there was new music that you sent us yesterday. Ah yes. Called ill. Yes. yes and indeed. it's dope. Yes, indeed. I like how. And how it's su- hip hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like how surprised you are. Because well, yes. <laughs> I really actually thought he was going to talk about this little electronic side project that I have. Well, okay. I yeah. mean, so Jeff did bring that up before, like before you got here. Jeff right. Was just did like, you miss hip hop? You know what's funny? And this is what I, I say hip hop, the genre. Not did like. Did you miss no, hip hop? No, 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 right. Not, <laughs> shout the hop. Yeah. Um, so around 11 or 12, 2011, 2012, I started getting a little. Um, what's the word? Frustrated, disenchanted with the weekly grind of having a radio show and having guests and trying to make these guests rap so I could have content that you could then repurpose and put on YouTube and here and there them and have a big show, right? And I just wanted to play music. I just wanted to make beats, play records. But I was Green Lantern on that you know that weekly slot on Hip Hop Nation, and this week you got Rick Ross, and next week you got Styles P, and the whole round table of people freestyling. And you got to have more of those moments and more of those moments, but it gets to be a grind putting those together, right? So it started to wear on me. So at the same time, I started like uh, branching out musically as far as what I'm making, right, into electronic music. So I started like really digging like pretty lights and, and like dramatic and, and you know these guys like that that are very hip hop based and it looked like to me it was like wow this is actually if you look at it like it's very much more like pure in the hip hop sense there's no there's no rap politics that goes along with this I'm not chasing a rapper for a verse these are these are producers that are have found a way to become the main guy on the stage no rapper needed right and in our world in the hip-hop world it's rapper based so at most you are i used to call it glorified uh help mm-hmm. you know I, I'm, it's a it's a downplay of what we do but i'm keeping real with you dj cal is the biggest thing on earth but can he release those songs without those verses right Right. Absolutely not. Right. You can't have that number one song without those verses. So in effect, you, my friend, must chase rappers to get those verses done. And guess who's chasing rappers? Everybody else. Yeah. And those rappers are rappers. Love them, but come on, bro. Right, right. Right? They yeah. do what they want to do when they want to do it. Yep. And they get amnesia about how much you help them. So I'm getting all this frustration. I'm like, you know what? F the rap game. I'll divorce the rap game and hopefully years later I'll come back for hip hop. So I, I look at it like I had to divorce the rap game to fall back in love with hip hop. Right. 
You understand what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rap game being the corporate structure of radio and all of that. I was telling this to people that still in it, it's in it right now. They're like, yo, you crazy, bro. Just do it. Just stop. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm like, I'm giving up the radio show. I'm getting, No one does this. Right. 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 Literally, this was the conversation I had with drama. And he was like, dude, don't give up that radio show. Don't do that. Dude, just, just stick it out, man. Just It is a phase. This is just like when R. Kelly started working at McDonald's. <laughs> exactly. Right. And I was like, yo, I got to go, bro. It's not yeah. in my heart no more. I'm saying shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is ain't, you know, hip hop is. So that's why when you mention the new music yeah. that's hip hop. Like Ill featuring Conway and Royce the Five Nine. Oh, what does that sound like? Available right now. Available right yeah, now. Yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. It's very hip hop. There's nothing political about it. It's nothing me trying to make a hit. You but but you had to, you had to leave Atlanta. You had to leave hip hop, and you had to for come my, back on your own terms. For, yeah. I know it sounds dramatic, no, it's but true. It, for my sanity, well, no, actually, it does not sound dramatic at oh. all. Dr- 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 dramatic. Dr- dr- dramatic. He told you not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, but not for real. Like, I know it sounds like a lifetime movie. I had to divorce hip hop to get, you know, or divorce rap to get, fall in love with hip hop. Yeah, yeah. But it's, no, that sounds like a common song. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, bro. That's my common impression. <laughs> oh love, bro, love. Yeah, salute, respect, yo. That's my common impression. But so to you know, what I'm saying to not have those, you know, this guy's album's coming out. Get him on, you know, though that that type of pressure when I'm just like I'm in this whole other space and I'm like, damn, man, I I, I want to just be creative and and try and, and try my hand over here where I can be the main guy. How'd that feel? Amazing. Yeah. So I'm on stage and there's like no rapper there. Mm-hmm. It's me. You know what I'm saying? And they're like reacting to music that I put out and there's thousands of people in front of me and I'm like, this is crazy, <laughs> you know. So, and at the same time, I'm still DJing, you know, touring with Nas, but I'm doing it under Green Lantern. I'm doing it under under DJ Green Lantern. I'm making this different music, this electronic music. And I feel like in the back of my head, I'm like, this this feels like I should do this under a different name, you know? So it took me a minute, like a couple of years to actually wrap my head around, like doing it. Like, you know what? I'm going to take DJ Green Lantern back to hip hop in the realest sense of hip hop, not the rap game. And I'm gonna make a something whole a whole other thing that I'm gonna do all electronic music under that name, so I I don't confuse people that know and love Green Lantern for all these hip hop moments when I put out something and it's like James One, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so I have this whole other thing, yeah, and it's it's like in the I, I released one song, but I'm working on an EP for it, and it's like it's very free and it's very like. You know, um, it feels right yeah. to, to, to do it in that way. Yeah. Are you keeping it a secret just because you want the two things? No, it's closer? not a secret. It's, okay. not, it's, not, it's not a secret at all. Okay. It's just my side project. Yeah. It's yeah. like, that's what I do this under this name. That's This is what you can expect. And on DJ Green Lantern is going to be this. Yeah. Where are you now in terms of like... I'm on... <laughs> street. <laughs> you know, we're going to have Upper to Upper West Side. Yeah. <laughs> We don't want people outside our door with mixtapes, like, yeah. trying to get signed Ooh. up here because... Remember those days. We yeah. can't do anything. Yeah. Actually, did anybody did anybody wait outside for you at Hot 97 and you give them your time or were you like, 
hey, you bring some guy and be like, well, you have to battle him first. Yeah. <laughs> um, as you know, during that era, everybody waited outside. Everybody, no, everybody. But who? But who? Like who? Who now? Like Graf or like Mano or Gravy? Um, yeah, all, you know, not 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 specifically like waiting outside, like on some Green Lantern and yeah, it's yeah. Mano. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know. Well, no, because I mean, there there was a Mano before he was Mano. You know. True indeed. True yeah. indeed. But you know, there those guys like like. They they had cosigns like right. like Graf came in through Slim yep. through Black Hand Chaz mm-hmm, yep, so mm-hmm. you would just get the call like yo Chaz want to send you something or right. you come and listen to this or whatever same thing with Mano yep. you know what I mean mm-hmm. so um, you know but there like I said there was a, there was a bunch of, and there was people that would meet you there like that I would be like yo you know, and they know that you're coming on on this day and they're going to make a freestyle for you and meet you out front that was all day yeah. for those guys yeah. so all of those guys would meet you there just to get their joint played but not in the sense of he's anonymous those guys were there right. but not a lot of those guys got their stuff listened to mm-hmm. cuz there was there's so much stuff that a lot of it Sad to say, some of it got to come through a filter in order to get your attention because it's just too much. Yeah. All right. So your 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 new single has um, Conway. It has. It's not a single. It's just a song. Right. Sorry. Single <laughs> single has pressure. Right. There's no date behind nothing. You. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing. But it has Conway. It has Royce the Five Nine. Yes. I feel like it's missing one shady artist. What's your relationship like now with Bizarre? <laughs> Um, <laughs> fuck that fat motherfucker. <laughs> nah, man, I love Busy. Busy's the Busy's Bizarre's the best. He's he's like unafraid. Yeah, he does not care. Do you have any projects that you are overseeing or want to oversee, or does someone just you know sort of come out of the woodwork and say, you know what, let's bring it back to that like ninety nine Green Lantern and like let's put something out for the people on SoundCloud, whatever, and just like you take control. Eric's just asking you if yeah. it's the real can do a project. I'm, that's all I'm asking. <laughs> no, but no, but I will tell you, West Side Gun, that's how that came about. Is is it that like western New York sort of like, you know of, well that's one layer of it because yeah. they're from Buffalo, I'm from Rochester. Mm-hmm. So Shots they, Lackawanna. <laughs> yeah. Um so so you know obviously they saw that coming up. They saw, you know, everything I did and all of that. But here they come buzzing, bubbling, and I'm watching it. And I actually reached out to him about a year before we started working there. I was like, I see you. Wow. You know, like when the fly god came out. And uh, he was like, yo, you know, just, you know, respect type of thing. Like, yo, you know. And um, then, like, in December, I got the call that they were going to, and wasn't published, publicized yet, but they were probably going to go to Shady. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to do a tape as, like, a catch-up version, a, a catch-up, like, um, compilation of all of the stuff they had put out, like, a best of for the new fans that they're going to get because they're about to sign the Shady Records. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you take a handful of the best stuff and then put some new stuff on it. Yep. So, he has a series called Hitler War Hermes, or right. Hermes, and he would, so that's why this turned into Hitler on steroids. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, which then turned into Conway Reject on steroids because he had a tape called Devil's Reject. Right. Which now is turning into... Conway Part Two of that's called More Steroids and Benny, their artist, Butcher on Steroids, which then I now I have a T shirt line called Invasion on Steroids. It makes sense. It makes sense. But to answer your question, <laughs> it was straight up and down, like, yo, we want you to take 
this existing music and make a movie out of it, right? Like make it exciting, these songs that a certain amount of people heard before. Right. A certain amount of people haven't, but even for the people that did, make that shit exciting. We were talking to West Side Gun about um, they're going to come up, mm-hmm. so that's going to be dope. I think, I, I think he told me that. I think we were talking about you guys in a very bad way. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was like, yeah, Yeah. they're on my ass, too. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, we are those guys who wait outside of Hot 97 and press all the DJs and show up on our show. Your career meant so much to us. Um, Means so much. Means so much to us. You know, don't do the past tense, bro. No, it means so much. Still contributing. You can Google. You know, I remember Green Lantern. He was and a nice guy. No, no, no. You know, you know, you know what gets me is, yo, what you used to do, or yo, yo, yo. I'm like, I hate this. Listen, we, we appreciate what you continue to do for the culture. Your entire career. I just say, I appreciate what you guys do, because this is cultural, what you guys are doing. Like, especially taking this uh, podcast and your um, live events that you've done and and turning them more into um, cultural events like what you just did with the Rockefeller thing like you you know you're putting your creativity together you're, you're putting your Rolodex in motion and saying okay I know this guy this guy could lead to that guy this guy could call that other guy and wait a minute we have a whole show here yeah right and that could you know really turn into something bigger and, and move on to other things oh we appreciate that yeah. thanks for coming through listen if you want to be a guest on it fine <laughs> <laughs> no this is all you get this is, this. This is it this is it Thanks so much, Green. Yes, sir. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of A Waste of Time with It's the Real. And Sorry, what's that? So even though we just ended, yes, I said, you know, no, no, no. It's not <laughs> over. I want to bring my son who's here with me into it because um, I feel like this is like very hip-hop to, to be a dad that now has a grown-ass son that does what I do. And he is, uh, his name is Najee, he's 22 years old, and he is a DJ, producer, rapper, singer. Multi-hyphenate. Multi-hyphenated. And the impetus of that. Yes, the genesis. The genesis, (laughs) Phil Collins, of that is, um, no, he is literally probably has more stamps than I do in... My current passport, not not the old ones, Maybe. but uh, he's toured the world. He's, he DJs for I Love McConan, one of the new guys, and he's been around the world three, four coming. times. Um, but he's also a uh, party DJ. He's he's now on Ableton producing. He you know puts the whole show together, and he started out as uh, rapping and like sort of singing. And um, I had him like on Sway in the Morning uh, one time. He has like a really dope ass song. And the funny, the funny thing about it is, he was really, he is very extremely talented. But he ended up not wanting to put like go the artist route. This, you know, the because at the end of the day, he still has to convert people to becoming fans of his if he wants to make a living at this and you know and he was like you know what i see so many of these guys because i let him in behind you know our lives are behind the curtain right so he living in this life with me has seen behind the curtain right and seen what these artists really go through right and seen um how it's not promised and you know he was like you know what i'm looking forward to my future he's always wanted to be a pilot from when he was a kid and he was like, you know what? 
um, we gave him the, the choice to either go to college when he was, was done with high school. Um, and he um, he ended up saying like, he, he joined a program where he could become a pilot through a program where he starts X amount of years as being a flight attendant. So that's what he's doing right now. There's a lot <laughs> to unpack there. Number one, how many sky miles do you have? Actually, being a flight attendant, they don't give you sky miles, which is which is the crazy part about it. He asked me that before. You don't have a status? You're just I like, don't. but you can get on whatever flight you want? That's or I got here, yeah. I was literally done working last night. Um, my flight was crazy delayed. I was supposed to go back to uh, Arizona last night, um, but I ended up working a flight to Orlando, Florida. I yeah. spent the night in Orlando, Florida last night. I knew dad was coming out here today, so I was like, well, that's close enough, so just catch a flight to new york and how do you balance work with your other work your your creative work right so being a flight attendant is really flexible you can pay people to you know take your trips uh per se from you so i'll throw somebody like 100 200 bucks or whatever to take this trip that i'm scheduled to work and the trip is like three four days at three a time. four days at a time right um so i'll just do that and i'll go on the road with McConan. that's it's awesome working yeah singing Rapping. Yep. DJing. Yes. And Very heavy in the DJing. And, and right DJing now. parties. Right. So is your schedule just like insane? Plus work. I mean, I try to make it I try to make it insane just because I don't I don't want to ever see myself just sitting at home. Like I hate that. Like yeah. when I'm home for a long period of time, like and a long period of time for me is like four days. When I'm home for that amount of time, I hate it. Like I I talk to my dad, like we'll go drive and pick up the kids from school or whatever and I'm like I gotta go back to work like it it sucks being home like this um so it, the schedule's not as crazy as it could be but I guarantee you in about a couple months it will be you guys will see well and your own stuff yes can you give us a hint I can't not yet <laughs> <laughs> see he learned I know. he learned were your formative years in Atlanta that's where I started music was in Atlanta right um and I, that's where I started my rapping, my singing, and I made a, I made a record to the Young and Beautiful Lana Del Rey when The Great Gatsby came out, which was really dope, and he liked it, and a lot of people liked it. Um, so that's kind of what caught me into it. Atlanta is, you know, Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Trap music. Yeah, but, like, does, does New York music of, like, you know, the mixtape era mean much to you? Absolutely. Okay. Just coming up after him, and I started being able to comprehend it when the invasion series were coming out with Eminem when he was doing all of that stuff like probably from 02 on was when I started being able to comprehend it and that's really as far as I can remember um that's a good starting point <laughs> yeah and it's it's really dope I remember like you you guys were the nail in the coffin record that y'all were talking about before yeah, yeah. my mom and I can sing that word for word like I'm, till this day your mom and you have problems with Benzino I know yeah <laughs> this is also gonna be great when we come to Arizona and stop by you for know dinner. it's crazy like, we're all gonna be you like, know you know it's crazy when I went to high school I went to high school with Benzino's daughter huh <laughs> <laughs> wait did she did she find that as funny as we do <laughs> we never talked yeah <laughs> we didn't talk <laughs> where can people find your music people can find my music right now on SoundCloud my name I go by I go under the name of DJ Tango 12 right now the number 12 no okay T-A-N-G-O-T-W-E-L-V no E at the end of okay. the 12 gotcha um, you can look me up on SoundCloud I release mixes um, 
I can tell you that name is probably not going to be there for too much longer. That's the hint that I can give you okay. guys. Yeah. So yeah, are you gonna, looking for you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but there. Trust me. Like, go to go to everything Tango Twelve right now. Yeah. Follow it, and you'll see the change after you follow it. It'll just pop up. What's the What's the scene like in Arizona right now? Like the music scene? Yeah. Is Whack. It, right. So yeah. do you not like perform, hang out, do stuff down no, there? You I just do, travel yeah. to other cities yeah. in his free flights. I <laughs> but I do parties in Atlanta. I mean Atlanta, Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I do a lot of. I do. A you lot try to of, make it um, as not whack as <laughs> because maybe. I just emphasize the whole I love McConan's DJ thing and yeah, all sure. the kids latch on to that. They love I love McConan yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So that's what really gets me a lot of the Do parts. you ever like fuck with them and just put like Tuesday on really early in the set? Like <laughs> <laughs> I've never played Tuesday at a set. Never? No. Not no. even on a Monday? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. I love that record, but no, I've just never played it. Do you debut your records like when you're at parties? Yeah, absolutely. I've just really it's the only stuff of mine that i've played at a party is is just like blends and mixes that i'll do you know literally just following in his footsteps right like we were driving um not too long ago i I used to live in houston because i was based out there as a flight attendant and, whatnot, yeah. and i was driving back and literally it's like a 19 hour drive from houston to phoenix and me and dad talked the whole time and i finally got to to hear the stories that that uh well some of the stories that he just told y'all other stories i've like he literally just told y'all the first time yeah yeah um but i literally gained a whole new respect for for what he did um and now i'm i'm coming after and i'm i'm kind of doing the same things that he's doing but just in a a smaller aspect that's dope so just be on the lookout for that. That's for great. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Tango twelve for now. For now. Yes. Absolutely. Soon something else. Yes, sir. Thanks everyone for listening to this new episode of A Waste of Time with It's the Real Jeff. If people want to find out more about us. If people want to find out more about this podcast, A Waste of Time with It's the Real. If people want to go get their tickets for A Waste of Time live in London, September sixth, where we're interviewing DJ Semtex, where can they go? You can get those tickets at itsthereal.com slash London. You can also go and check all of our old episodes out at soundcloud.com slash a waste of time you can also search for episodes on itunes search for a waste of time with it's the real we are on all streaming services every single one even the ones that we forget to mention go to whatever service you want to use i don't care what it is but go listen to it there search for a waste of time with it's the real we are also on Instagram at It's The Real, Facebook at It's The Real, Twitter at It's The Real. You can find us on Snapchat at It's It's The Real and It's The Real. Eric, It's It's The Real is a terrible name, but It's The Real was taken. Go to YouTube.com slash It's The Real right now. And in a couple of days, I think we're finally going to have the video from our big Rockefeller show at Highline Ballroom where we had a dozen Rockefeller employees, you know, from Just Blaze to Young Guru to Lenny S to Chaka Pilgrim to, to Biggs to Young Guns and Jim keep going, Jones. Keep and, going, keep going, keep going. And Freeway. Keep going. And it was an amazing night. It's a totally awesome experience to watch it as opposed to listen to it, as opposed to just being in the building. YouTube.com slash It's The Real. Shout out to Carl Lunds, who's the man who directed and edited this thing. 
And if you want to listen to our music, go to soundcloud.com slash it's the real. We are also on all streaming services with our music. You can go to Spotify, you can go to Apple Music, you can go to Pandora, you can go Title. Go to Title, go to Google Play, go to wherever you want. Yeah, just press play, listen to our music, especially Sugar High, featuring Currency and Smoke Dizzo, which is our most popular song right now and it's moving. Keep it going. Jeff, you know this podcast isn't going anywhere. If we don't shout out some people and tell them to keep the word out there, who would you like to tell about this podcast? I want to tell Andy Bustard hey. over in Manchester, which is two hours away from London. By he train. says that he is going to be making it, hopefully, to our show out there. Um, I want to shout out John Murugasu okay. over in London as well. I feel like I have a lot of Facebook friends over in London. I hope they all show up yeah. to our London show. Let them know. Yeah. Guys, I want to shout out one of our great friends, Amir Abbasi. I know I've talked about him before on the podcast at Blame the Label on all your social media things like Instagram and Twitter. Right, but only because It's The Real was taken. (laughs) But here's the thing about Amir. He's not only one of the most positive people in this business, he's one of the most brilliant people. Amir is one of Freeway's best friends and also one of our best friends, so it's always good to hear from him. Go follow him at Blame the Label. Also, Amir should get excited because we are taking this show on the road. We are coming to Los Angeles and Chicago and Philly. Wherever the airports go, King Larry. Akron, Ohio, I don't know. King Larry, get the car gassed up. Now for real, for real. Sure, sure. We'll see you guys next week. Right.